This is the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here's the host of the show, Jason Selms. All right, guys, welcome back to AHP. Thank you for joining me. Do appreciate it. I'm actually live with Brad Towner. Now, if you're not sure who Brad is, Brad is the owner of Armored Heaven, which is a company that sells all types of toys, including gel blasters. Now, I've also got his lawyer, who I'll bring on the show just a little bit later, Michael as well. And uh, unfortunately, it's a bit of a travesty what's happening. He's actually been prosecuted by the New South Wales police for selling toy guns and some very, very serious charges uh, he's facing at the moment. Now, they did put a similar to a GoFundMe uh, on the internet, which did raise a lot of money uh, to help out Brad with his fees in regards to defending him, himself against these charges. So first off, Brad, thanks for having me in your home. I do appreciate it. Um, and thank you for uh, seeing me and wanting me to do an interview about this. It's very important. Yeah, no worries at all, Jason. I really actually appreciate you contacting me with all this. Uh, yeah, like you said, I'm the owner of Armored Heaven, um, and I've been doing this since uh, 2010, specialising in the sale of amazing toy guns for everybody. Yeah, First off, mate, I guess tell us, how did you actually get into it? Because, uh, I mean, just give people a, a bit of a history about who you are, first off, before we start, just in general, not just about the business, but just in general. Yeah, sure. Well, basically, I got into this business simply because uh, I needed a toy gun for a, for a costume to attend a, um, to, to attend a convention. Yeah, that was it. That's how you got into uh, selling uh, toys, gel blasters, that sort of thing? Yeah, that was it. So back then, it was very much lights and sounds based toy guns as opposed to the gel, the, the now gel blasters. Um, and as I quickly found out when I went to this convention, a lot of other people also required uh, some toy guns for their costumes, you know, guys and girls, uh, for various outfits at the time, whether it be something from, say, an anime series or uh, from movies such as Resident, Resident Evil and other zombie-style films. Um, and I quickly built up a small, very small client base, almost selling out of the back of my car every time I went to an event, um, to sort of going and attending conventions as a stall owner, so exhibiting at places like Supernova, Comic-Con and Gaming Expo, uh, to other events um, throughout my years, right up to sharing a shop in Parramatta. And throughout that time, I basically built myself up to be the biggest toy gun seller Australia-wide. Yeah, right. And have you done any, obviously, my shows about hunting, you know, shooting, fishing, those types of things, and obviously the outdoors. Have you done any, have you have a firearms license, anything like that? I've never actually uh, owned a firearm permit or any kind of firearm in my life. Uh, I've thought about... I look at it in the sense that because I live in the city, I don't have a financial reason to do so simply because I look at it and go, that's really expensive for, for me right now. But it's something that I've actually looked at and gone, well, that's a hobby that I would like to pick up when I'm older and and possibly when I've got really nothing to do, I'd like to have the social aspect of, say, going to either an indoor or an outdoor range or even just go hunting and learn about that with other people um, and sort of learn about the disciplines of shooting even just even just target shooting or even ipsc um but uh yeah i've i've always sort of my knowledge of toy of uh guns is just basically from selling the toy guns and you know playing video games i'm a typical 30 year old guy who grew up playing wolfenstein 3d and doom as a six to eight year old so um 
Yeah, yeah. My experience with with guns is basically I have shot at ranges when I went to uh, Vegas, and one time down in in Sydney, um, I think it was the St Mary's indoor shooting range. I've done it, so I've done a little bit of limited experience, but yeah, for me right now, I I um I just yeah I just don't own a firearm license. So obviously you're running a business as well. Now you said before we started the show you can talk about CF cystic fibrosis. Tell us about that, how it affects you, and running a business. Does this help you? You know, with not your standard nine to five job, where you're able to sort of work for yourself. Does that help in regards to having CF? Oh my God, yes, <laughs> so much yes. I um in my past I've worked at call centres for Telstra and Commonwealth Bank. Um, I've also done an outdoor sort of postal delivery driving job with with Australia Post. So. Um, being able to basically be my own boss, like obviously set your own hours and all the other sort of typical stuff that a lot of uh, people will come out and say, it's been really, really good because with cystic fibrosis, it does affect your lungs, your digestive system, your bowels, which is absolutely marvelous to talk about. But also it also affects and what, what not many people realize is the, uh, the reproductive system as well. So um, to basically, more or less to have children, you have to go through the IVF process and even then you, you, you're relying on statistics and, and percentages of being successful. Um, but we've been able to you know, create a baby. But um, more or less, we gave with CF. Um, I did find that working at call centres, you, you're talking for anywhere between five to 10 hour days. And you do, like I've just done then, taking a deep breath, um, you get worn out because your lung function is nowhere near as good as um, just your everyday person. Even if they're smokers, your, your lung function is, is actually a lot. A lot of the time, is worse off than unless, because you're purposely keeping yourself fit. Fit, which I'm too lazy to do. Um, so, because I think there's a there's a few football and sports footballers and sportsmen who do have CF, and you wouldn't even know. But if I try running the football field, uh, yeah, I'm going to be puffed out. I'm going to be breathing. Like it's almost like that. So you're not going to be a front row for the Penrith Panthers in the next, you know, couple of years or anything like that. I've got great stability. Late starter. I've got great stability in my legs. I've played baseball. I can run like a like a bat out of hell to first base. But after that, mate, give me my asthma puffer. I'm going to need um (laughs) and a nebulizer and maybe an oxygen mask. I'm going to need five minutes. So you said the things you were doing before, but what made you want to get into? I mean, gel blasters. Did you see a you know, basically a hole in the market for, obviously, everyone opens a business because there's money to be made, but was this something that interested you in, in starting up this business? And also, within the business, other than gel blasters, do you sell anything else? Funny enough, I went to the Hong Kong Toy Fair in 2014. Uh, that's held sometime in January and February, just before uh, their Chinese New Year celebrations. So I've gone over there just to sort of Say hello to to the to the supplier, um, and uh, that uh, it's a family business. Go over there and say hi to them and see what's new. What, what can we grab? And I just I just saw these gel blasters that uh, they were basically on show in 2014, and I looked at them going, "Wow, what is this? I have no idea what that is." Uh, at the time, I sort of actually questioned whether or not I'd be allowed to bring them in for their legality, simply because they you know they they do shoot a projectile. Um, but when I further looked into it, um, when it, when they sort of became more available uh, from my supplier, I looked into you know uh, the A Triple C definitions for you know, children's to- uh, projectile toys, which is something that anybody can um, basically look at uh, since it's a downloadable PDF file. I realised that uh, oh these things are just Nerf guns. 
in terms of their functionality and and, uh, and what they do with their range, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, but funny enough, gel blasters didn't really actually start to get alt, like really, really popular with people until about 2016. Simply because you had that year, uh, transitional year throughout uh, 2015 when I actually first started to get them in. Uh, so, sorry, my first ever gel blaster I ever brought in was Christmas 2014, and then they started to pick up, like more models came out throughout 2015 and then people started to realize what these were and what they could what they could effectively do and represent as sort of like an outdoor game for for either just kids families adults whatever you want um in 2016 and that's when everything just boomed um in terms of selling other things on the side i've just done just every now and then uh in the past i've done a few transformer action figures i sort of do focus that on that a lot more now simply because it's just a little bit of money um, to make since I've unable to sell toy guns in New South Wales. But yeah, primarily the business has been specifically um, a broad range of toy guns, ranging from uh, stuff you'd see, say, um, from our history of World War Two, right up to um, futuristic video games that are set in the year 3000 plus. And, and when did you start the business? How long ago did you start the business? Uh, was it a long time ago? And how long has that been going for? Yeah, I started the business in 2010 of August. Um, and that was just my first ever order. Funny enough, was just five hundred Australian dollars worth of toys, which is ex- like not even considered a sample order. Uh, when you actually look at uh, sort of you know the sale sale statistics, more or less a sale like a sample order is basically a thousand dollars or more. Um, but I imported that all with my own sort of just a little bit of money. Basically, actually, you know, I used up majority of my money just to sort of just to test it, and uh, I built the business up through. Um, Mainly through mainly through the supernova conventions with cosplay, and sort of you know using some model like friends of mine who are models um, to sort of you know uh, photograph and sort of show off the fantasy of these toy guns with what you can do, especially for YouTube filmers, uh, small films, and then eventually, funny enough, I've um, I've also supplied um, Fox Studios with their last Aliens movie. What gel blasters? Yeah, yeah, they, they came in. Funny enough, they're the only customer that I've ever had that said, hi, we'd like to buy some toy guns that are more uh, more in scale for a child than an adult. I've gone, okay. Fortunately, I did have some. So what looks a bit more real? <laughs> yeah, no, they, oh, they, they, they've given me the hardest. I, I have customers coming in and go, hey, I want a rifle with a grenade launcher. Uh, I want to be able to take the mag out and I want to be able to add, add a cool scope onto it, a laser light, all this. You know, basically what they see in a Call of Duty game they want to do. And I'm like, yeah, we can do some of that. Uh, with Fox Duties, they've come in and gone, all right, we want – Something that looks realistic, however, it's got to be in scale, like a, like a child scale, like a two-third scale toy for a 10-year-old to have. I looked at them like, what, wait, are you going to have 10-year-olds in Aliens? Like, oh, no, 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 it's for background work. What they were trying to do was save a bit of money in CGI, and they wanted to make this certain set in New Zealand look absolutely huge. So they grabbed a whole bunch of kids to portray the adults. Um, all the, all, the whole shot is just, I don't even know if it's gone in the film, I haven't actually seen it, but... Um, they wanted to basically get this, capture the silhouette of the costume on children to make this this whole land look massive, massive, massive. So they wanted all they wanted these toy guns for was the silhouette, and so they they didn't want to equip you know ten year old kids with adult size you know big guns um, when, when when you look at it look at it realistically. And I looked at them like, why don't you just do a CGI model? And they go, no, no, it's this way. I mean, yes, it's a stuff around, but we're going to save tens of thousands of dollars by coming to you. And the best thing is we get to keep it rather than have to hire an armorer for ten grand a day, or we can just spend four hundred dollars with you. So I've gone, 
wow, that's okay, awesome. I'm more than happy to supply you. They showed me some photos of what they wanted. They wanted a rifle, a shotgun. They were going to put those two together. And then they wanted um, uh, they wanted a styre as well, um, which is what our Australian military use. Mine looks very different to, to the standard issue one. Um, but um, uh, they just sort of, you know, and then sort of give them a nice paint job. Um, and all that sort of stuff on film, and I was just absolutely flabbergasted that they, that they wanted to choose me uh, to do all this stuff, and they showed me the photos, and I'm like, oh, wow, and then I've got a guy on my Facebook um, friends list who sent me a message going, dude, did you supply Fox Studios with some toys? I'm like, yeah, why? He goes, I'm working on them, because he's one of the uh, he's one of like the costume developers. Must have been set. a pretty good, was it a pretty good order? Actually, no, it was really small, it was about five items, but it's a really good story. <laughs> you'd, you'd think so much that you'd actually be buying and purchasing a lot of you'd be a great order. Yeah, I, I was sort of, when they've come in and gone, hi, yeah, we're doing stuff for aliens, I'm like, oh, hello, 10,000 items. Like, no, 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 we only need about five or six. I'm like, huh, okay. But yeah, they've got my details now, it's, a, it's a, literally a step in the door. So I've, um, I've, approached, I've been approached by other sort of filmmakers who go, hey, you know, we're independent film. We don't actually have the budget to pay for an armorer. Um, yeah, but we just want to use your toys for background work um, but yeah, in the back of the film to make it look like there's something on the wall or on a, on a rack or just in, pe- in people's hands where you can't – or you can see they've got something, but you can't make it out. Um, and funny enough, I've also supplied that Howzo's movie without even knowing. I just I received a phone call from one of their guys that on set saying, Hey man, we need to buy some stuff for a film. Can you help us out? I'm like, Yeah, sure. Look, I can't tell you what the movie's about, but it's a it's a big Australian production and you'll see it coming out in that this year uh, next year. I was in the movie, saw the trailer, looked at one of the rivals that one of their police officers was using in the trailer where, for when they had like say like a SWAT looking team come and raid a house. And I've looked at it, I've gone, huh that's mine. Oh, okay. That's who I supplied. So I kind of, without confirmation, I kind of pieced it together. Um, and I thought, yeah, that's, that's just really, really cool in terms of, um, saving sort of, you know, low end, um, filmmakers hell like a ton of money just by, by supplying some toys. The new Zeiss Conquest V4 line of high-performance rifle scopes combines tried-and-true Zeiss optics with a rugged and functional design, providing high-definition glass. Enhanced with T-Star and low-to-tech protective lens coatings produces 90% to the eye light transmission. This means excellent low-light performance and resolution across the entire magnification range. Zeiss Conquest V4 rifle scopes were designed as a lightweight, high-performance scope for demanding hunting and shooting applications. Visit o- usaaustralia.com.au to find your local dealer. Zeiss, we make it visible. Tell us, when you first started the business, obviously 2010, was that when you imported gel blasters or were you selling other things first? And when did gel blasters during that time become more prominent, I guess, in your business venture? Gel blasters were not actually invented at, at that time. We basically had toy guns that were purely lights and sound. Um, gel blasters, more or less, like I said earlier, came in from 2014. So for the previous four years before that, I'm sort of building up a business just selling lights and sound toy guns, uh, which appealed to obviously just children and cosplayers. Until, until the police came and picked up these toys and took them away and obviously potentially laying charges against you, uh, what was one of your biggest sellers and did getting gel blasters, was, that, was it coming quite popular and making a lot of sales in gel blasters? Because obviously I don't think people realise actually how big it is and there was a lot of you know, gel blasters being sold. Yeah, the biggest seller prior to the gel blasters was always the toys that I had labelled as M4 
and the Steyr. Simply the Steyr, obviously, because um, our military used something that uh, uh, similar, uh, similar item to what I was selling. Um, and then when gel blasters came in, the M4 stayed as a popular, um, uh, popular uh, seller. They hadn't actually made a, a gel blasting um, uh, Steyr as yet. They have now. However, uh, other items such as a SCAR or uh, like you know, the typical bad guy gun, the AK, um, was also uh, quite popular. But with, when, when it comes to kids stuff, a lot of, a lot of the kids love picking up the Desert Eagle, you know, the, the good old Hollywood hand cannon. Uh, yeah, they pick it up and go, whoa, this is such a big gun because they've got tiny hands and it's one of the few pistols they could pick up and wrap their hands around. Um, yeah, I also had conventions. It was always funny when you had some, some dad come along with their little girl who just loved being a tomboy and she's like, dad, dad, I want to buy the biggest gun possible. And you look at me and go, all right, where's the biggest gun possible? That is under a certain price. <laughs> um, <laughs> exactly. And so I, I pointed at some of our, you know, our um, – our rifles with some scopes on it, so our toy rifles with some scopes on it. And the the funny thing is, she, you know, a little girl would pick it up, and the dad goes, "No, no, you have to shoulder it." So she's she then shouldered it like you would a rocket launcher, because <laughs> it's just so big. She was, you know, oh, maybe one point two meters tall, and you know, very. Uh, no, I'd probably say yeah, she's six years old. You know, five or six years old. So she's very small, and you know, she's picking up this really big toy gun that was. Yeah, one point two meters long. She's shoulder it just it, it just looked really really funny, um, but yeah, with, with all these sorts of toy guns um, coming in, yeah, the, the difference like in terms of their popularity, it really depended on. It almost came to when it came to the gel blasters. It was basically um, uh, various models such as a Vector. Then came in that was their number one. Uh, a month before that, a P ninety was available, which was extremely popular for anyone who loves Stargate. Uh, the SG-1 series. Um, so that was extremely popular. And I'd bring in like 200 of each uh, and they'd be gone within a month or two. When the M4 Terminator that I had for sale on my website uh, was available, I ordered 240 of them thinking, yeah, that'll last me a month or two. I was sold out in exactly 14 days. What's the, speaking of that, because I think that's very interesting as well. There's a lot of countries out there, no doubt, that you probably dealt with, bring imports in. No doubt technology in regards to even gel blasts has probably gotten better. Which countries make the best gel blasts? Obviously, they're not made in Australia. Is there any specific countries that make better ones and you know, steer clear of some because they don't make as good a gel blasters? Or who's got the better name in gel blaster oh, yeah. making? Uh, a lot of, just with my supply that I was going through, we were basically shipping everything out from uh, Shenzhen. My supplier, their office is in Hong Kong, so they were catering to a Western audience. Uh, but yeah, a lot of this stuff was just made in China. Um, when I was when I was in business, but prior to uh, to getting shut down, the, the gel blasters were considered by the by the community as Generation One. Uh, we're now up to Generation Nine within uh, nineteen months, and it's just basically improvements such as their build, so that a lot of them sort of did have a weak plastic. So if you did hit them against a tree or something, uh, they would shatter. Or um, even just the internals, uh, like the plunger moving backwards and forwards, may, may fault out and just stop moving. Whereas now they're a lot more efficient uh, and, and a better, like while still being uh, compliant with the ACCC toy standards and the Australian toy standards, um, uh, it, they're just sort of, it's, it's almost like a car manufacturer. They release a model and then they release a secondary model and then another model after that going, hey, look how much better it is. We've tuned it up. We've made it. Uh, yeah, we, we've started to perfect it now. Um, so, but yeah, I a lot of the other items, I don't think, I'm not too sure if, if other items are made in different countries. I've only ever, before I got shot down, I was just dealing with made in China. 
Yeah, and tell us about people might be sitting listening to this show saying they don't even know what gel blasters are. They're new to the technology, for an example, they're new to the toy. What is a gel blaster? What does it do? And what does it actually shoot? Think of a gel blaster as basically what everyone wants in Nerf and Super Soaker. Uh, the way they function is operated uh, with obviously a battery system, or if you um, say like. If one doesn't come with, um, doesn't work with a battery system, it's just cocking. But it's just a plunger, same as a, um, same as a as a Nerf gun. Basically, nothing happens until the plunger moves. You, know, you pull the trigger, uh, plunger moves backwards and forwards and hits the gel ball. Um, and nothing will happen until that plunger actually connects with the gel ball, and then uh, the gel ball will fire between fifteen to twenty five meters, depending on its power and how good the toy is Uh, that was basically what i was selling at the time prior to getting shut down um in terms of their sort of other functionalities was they were just made out of plastic you could clearly identify them they all had identifying marks that you could anyone could clearly see that they were toys whether it just be from color uh, along with like stamps such as made in china and then like say the factory has a stamp and a toy model name on it all that sort of stuff. And then you've got the other requirements, which is obviously the very obvious marketing on the box to appeal to children and obviously big adults like us. Um, but yeah, basically when it came down to the function, it's nowhere like if you gave this to someone who's got 20 years in firearm experience and shooting, they'd look at this and laugh. They'd go, that's, that is nowhere near a gun at all. What about the average cost? Like, is there yeah, the cheaper end of the spectrum? Is there a more expensive end of the spectrum? And also the gel balls, what is the general pricing structure on, say, gel blasters yeah, and, and the gel balls? Yeah, definitely. There was um, in terms of how I priced things. So I had um, my most expensive items that I had were $200. The cheapest gel blasters that were operated by battery were $50 pistols. We then, I did have some other toy pistols that shot different things uh, like little uh, foam darts and whatnot for $25. Uh, they would go maybe maybe 10 metres, if you're lucky. Some of them only just shot out three, three metres, and that was on a very sort of arced shot. So by three metres, it's already hit the ground. doesn't even maintain a, a straight line. Um, so at that time when I was selling stuff, yeah, there was quite a diverse... Um, uh, sort of marketing their quality now now the quality like the stuff that I was selling then is nothing compared to the really good quality of stuff um, available now simply like I said before with just their build how they like so they can survive uh, a bit more of say uh, so if you dropped it or even if you gave it a bit of a whack with the palm of your hand you won't create like a fissure in the plastic it'll it'll uh, remain strong and I think that's what a lot of people will appreciate because I have had cases where customers I've said, hey, I've got my toy for a year and now it's broken because it was using cheap plastic um, sort of in around 2012. Whereas now it's like, oh, no, I just my son just hit their toy gun against the, the, uh, the door frame. Oh, wait, nothing happened. Wow, this is really well built. What's the general age, people? Obviously, you get different ages. I mean, one of my friends is just a bit older than me. He's like 39. He's bought gel blasters off you, I know, personally. He, he loves them as well. He loves running around. He said this is the best thing he's ever bought. Yeah, I think the minimum age on, from memory on one of the toy boxes is like for, the, the recommended age for this stuff is five and plus. I've always taken a very sort of let the parents decide what's good for their own children approach. So I've had uh, four-year-olds come up and go, dad, 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 I want to buy the minigun. And that thing was really, it was, it was actually light enough that you know a little four-year-old boy could, um, could pick it up and shoot it. And the best thing it is actually with the gel balls for that one, it had a, a backpack. 
you could carry it. It would just fed it through a tube. So um, it's almost like the dude from from the movie Predator, how he had the, the Gatling gun with the big ass yeah, uh, cool. backpack. Yeah. Speaking about that, you were saying too, what about the gel balls? What's the costing for them? I mean, what is the gel ball exactly so people sort of understand? Yeah, the what- gel ball is basically the sa- exact same product as what you find at Bunnings and other tool uh, shops that uh, sell stuff for gardening to, to do water conservation. Uh, so it is basically just a little tiny gelatin crystal that has a predetermined size that when you soak in water for roughly three to four hours, it'll then go to that size. They do dehydrate out out of water. So if you ever do find that they've even shrunk down to half size, like four millimeter or something, you just soak them back in water and they'll just uh, go back up to their size. You can crush them in your fingers very, very easily. And uh, they're also biodegradable. So if you are out in the backyard and you do sort of miss one from cleaning up and your dog happens to lick one up, there is no there is no um, problem there. Mate, we've obviously been seeing, and I guess this, I don't want to say it's a test case, so to speak, but we're seeing media about gel blasters becoming more and more in the media. What do you think the long-term viability and being able to potentially import, obviously after your case, and hopefully that is going to be a success, but we'll talk to Michael a bit later on, who's sitting right next to you. He's your lawyer, just to let people know. Do you think it's on borrowed time, or what's your thoughts? I'm going to take a very egotistical approach with this one and, and say, you bet we're here for the long run. I fully intend on yeah. winning my... I fully intend on winning my... Uh, my my case simply because anything else is just complete failure and I definitely know what that's like. I've shed a few tears over over sort of the mental um, uh, sort of in, in my own head type, oh, my God, what am I going to do if I lose my business? You know, this is, this is basically my baby. Yeah, I'm going to – I hope to – if I ever have kids in the future um, or even just adopt some, I've got something to as a legacy to leave for them to then take over if they so choose to do so or even just on-sell it to someone who is able to do as good or a better job with the same passion that I have. Um, in terms of the realistic side of things, I do believe that uh, the job ball blasters are here to stay. Uh, as you said, this is it's sort of been coming across as a test case. Um, I agree with that simply because there is no legal document or law currently written, written into New South Wales legislation that restricts the ownership of a gel blaster. And that is further proven by the fact that uh, you can go to Queensland, go to one of the toy sellers there, buy a toy, take it back to New South Wales. You are still federally protected by the sale of that, of that being a toy as a toy. And, um, you know, and basically a toy is a toy. You, you, you can't use it for something else. Um, so in, in saying all that, um, again, being egotistical, once I win, I fully intend on coming back into it hard, doing a solid at least six months worth of work before I even think of having a holiday because quite frankly, I've had a 19-month long holiday and it's, uh, it's doing my head in. I, I want to go back to work and I want to start earning that, uh, you know, start you know, being successful again and, and getting to meet my customers, which is one of the best things about going to Supernova is you, you know, basically as a businessman, you get to be sort of at the forefront and the customers get to come and, and say hi to you. You get to say hi to them. You get to know them. Um, a lot of my close friends have actually been made like the best man at my wedding. I met him through my business. Um, my oldest, my, my, my longest running oldest customer is, um, uh, is from when he started purchasing at Christmas 2010 off me when I sold a few on eBay. I'm very good, close friends um, with him. He came and said hi to me uh, when I was in hospital. We go to barbecues all the time now. So the the kind of friendships I've created, and even just general relationships with the public, have been extremely strong. And um, and that's all because of this um, all because of the, the this toy gun business that effectively started out as maybe a couple of hundred bucks on a Saturday, is uh, then turned into 
several thousand dollars of dollars in revenue per week just from uh, working hard and being smart about it. Mate, going on from that, how long has it been since you haven't been able to sell gel blasters? I got the uh, the seizure warrant issued to me on the 27th of March at roughly 11.30 of that morning. Um, and since so then... give or take about six months, you haven't been able to... 19 months. On, sorry, oh, oh, sorry 27, yeah, 27th of March, 2017, sorry. Wow, so it's been over... 19 relevant. months worth of just... Uh, can I swear on this, uh, on this you channel? Can do, mate, this bullshit. Is you, you can say whatever you like on Absolute this bullshit. It's an absolute crock. I haven't even been able to lift a finger with my business. Um, some people have raised the question, well, why don't you just go get a job somewhere? I've thought about that as well, and then I think, well, I've got, I've been formally charged. I've got five firearm offences against me now. Um, I've thought in my head just the embarrassment of having to tick the box in a job application saying, yes, I'm currently under investigation for, for criminal charges. And I, I look at that and go, I, I, I don't. I, I, it's already hard enough to, to, to explain to people in a in a in a, a gel blaster community and cosplay and stuff because that they all sort of they understand what a toy gun is, but then you sort of you then have to uh, widen your approach to people who may not know what toy guns are. They might just think super soakers or something from the nineties or a rubber band gun or something, where they go, oh, you've got firearm charges. Oh, so they already will you know think of you as less. But then you go, yeah, but I've got them for toy guns. I've had. I went to a libertarian conference. Um, so I was uh, supported by Peter Whelan of the um, Shooters Union, where he they paid for me to promote awareness for this and with the charges and everything. And I had people like they're, they're very respectful, but I had people sort of come up and sort of ask, "Oh, you've got firearm charges. So why are you here? Well, what exactly are you doing?" And I've told them. And fortunately, they they grew the opinion of, "Oh my God, that is such a waste of time, such a waste of taxpayers' money." And I thought, okay, well, that was a positive outcome over two days. But then I thought, if I do out, do go out and get another job, I'm then going to have to subject myself to further criticism of, oh, do we really want this guy, 32 years old, five serious um, indictable fire It's kind of crap that you actually have to be doing this to, mm. to either A, be going for another job, but yeah. to have this scrutiny for absolutely pretty much what I say is no reason at all. Yeah, I mean, I haven't actually, well, I'm just sort of thinking in my own head, this is what might happen. Whether or not that actually does happen, if it didn't happen at all, that'd be fantastic. But I'm just thinking realistically, you know, people are in this sort of age are very quick to judge someone based on what's written about them on, on paper. Um, so, but also in the same sense, I have been sort of um, living off the money I had made uh, throughout the business from 2016 at Christmas right through to the um, the seizure warrant period of 2017. So, um, I have been sort of you know self sustaining myself. So, I, um, with, with the you know fingers crossed motion that I am able to get back to work with my own business. Renowned for their strength, reliability, and attention to detail, Moroku shotguns are the perfect example of what a sporting shotgun should be. Moroku have been producing quality products for over a century and sold in Australia since 1963. Each Moroku shotgun is crafted with precision, from the MK Trap and sporting models to the all-round best-selling field shotgun, the MK70. Visit morokushotguns.com.au for more details and stockists. Tell us about some of the... How has this negatively 
affected your life? Obviously, losing money in a business, which is shit. You know what I mean? This is, I think this is an absolute travesty, to be honest, just saying that. But what, what issues have you sustained over that period, except for, I mean, the scrutiny in regards to charges, I'm guessing, you know, as soon as people talk about, quote, unquote, firearms, personal issues, just in general, tell me how it's affected your life, these bogus, I'd say, potentially bogus charges. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, apart from the financial um, hit, uh, to give people a, uh, a picture, um, um, yeah, I was able. Well, I was getting to the point with my wife at the time. We were able to um, start house hunting to actually buy a house in Western Sydney, which, when you look at all the media, all they ever tell you is young people can't afford anything, except maybe avocado breakfast. So, and I held the opinion, well, if you stop buying avocado breakfasts, you might have something a little bit to save. Um, so <laughs> Possibly, yeah, that, yeah. that does sound a little bit sort of elitism in the sense, but it, it's the mindset of, of having a, 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 like a good savings plan and you know, like definitely, definitely, you know, enjoy spending that that's, you know, I, I'm a salesman. <laughs> I expect you to spend or I want you to spend, but also, you know, be, be, be smart about it. But the, um, the actual, yeah, the, the side effects of this whole thing is I've had a complete marriage breakdown. I I'd mentioned, you know, a wife having a wife. Um, our marriage is completely, um, it's completely gone. It was, it. Uh, I'm going to say it's, it's an amical breakup because we're just keeping it sensible. Um, but yeah, um, I don't want to go too much into it. But um, you know, that that's now she's no longer living with me. She, um, the, you know, the agreement was she you know, takes takes the dogs with her and we just leave each other alone. Um, and contact each other when when someone needs to do something to sort out the divorce. So this was a major. Strain oh, hell on yeah. that from the financial aspect, you would oh, say. Oh, definitely. I mean, you know, you, you you've got a happy marriage. You know, we I was married in 2015, um, so you know, two years worth of marriage and a four year relationship completely gone simply because um, of the motion that toy guns may or may not be illegal in New South Wales. Along with that, the thing that actually um, broke the camel's back um, for me was having to fire my employee. Um, I was so proud of getting this uh, this young woman. Um, who I treated as a sister to um, to basically you know, I finally I thought yes I'm I'm a businessman I finally get to have my first employee I, I've had people help me out at stores like my dad all the time and that like I've, it was a little bit different for me because I've never actually had to I never he never wanted me to pay him for his time to go to these stalls whereas you know I wanted to pay someone an hourly rate um, to be it to help me with my shop simply because the you know the orders and everything I was. Christmas 2016, I was 280 orders backlogged, and you know I'd, I'd wrap up say 50 parcels in a in a day, of a 10 hour day, and I'd get home, and the next day went from 280. It actually some days would jump back up to a 311. One day it jumped up to 311, and I've just gone wow, I've made a zero impact to try and bring that down to zero, so that way when a customer orders something, I can wrap it up, send it out in one business day. I was giving customers seven business day dispatch time plus postal time for them to then receive it. It was over Christmas just like, that's fantastic um, for a business uh, to be that busy, but it was also negative for the customers because I was a one-man army trying to go out of the, go out of the line going, yeah, I've got this, I'm only going to be disadvantaged for a month and it'll be fine, but no, it kept coming. So when I finally got to employ someone, I thought that was so great. And I treated her, like I said, I treated her like a sister and the worst thing was I've been fired before and you get really upset. And usually the boss is like, yeah, mate, don't worry. You know, you'll find another job. You'll be good. I ring her up to have to do it. She actually asked me to fire her because um, she was on a, with a contract. I was you know, obliged to keep paying her as well. And um, so she, she basically said, Brad, you can't afford this. You're going to have to fire me 
please do it and I'll, I'll find another job i'm more than qualified to go somewhere else i ring her up i'm in tears i'm the way she had to console me because i felt like such a failure that's sort of when the notion hit that you failed really hit me is having to financially ruin someone else's life in my head that's what was happening you know i, I can't you know can't pay you anymore you've you've got you know you've got house bills you've got all this stuff um you know her and you know her and her husband were, were relying on some of this money to sort of just to sort of um help out like you know almost create a cushion in in terms in case you know like a car broke down you have to fork out 400 bucks to get something fixed and that's what really sort of broke me and then from then on i thought righto well that was the time for tears now it's, just, you know, it's time to stand up and and think about this logically and um and uh so sort of just get better in my head and just always think right this is what we're going to do so put put the emotion to the side and start researching um find out all the laws when it comes to to products as well as all the laws when it comes to firearms and then try and create a collaboration i um i actually did about nine hours worth of research in one day and i've sent it to my lawyer of um trying to collaborate if i basically looked at it as if i was an officer trying to find out whether or not uh toy guns are firearms and whether or not they are illegal and could actually get a charge could I get a charge? And I was looking through all the laws, and in my personal opinion, there is none. Federal versus state issue, obviously two different things. Did you? There's two questions there, so it'll be a supplementary yep, yep. question. Did you ever have a problem with uh, border force bringing them in? And if, and if so, what was it? And in, beyond that question, uh, obviously selling them since probably what 2014, as you said, was there any issues where police have come to your shop, contacted you, saying, "Hey, listen, what are these? Just any general interest or?" quote unquote putting their feelers out so to speak importing toy guns into new south wales from outside the country i've never once had an issue with border force i did get they've a, never held them they've never done any of that the most they've ever done was they rang up my broker because they put it through an x-ray and obviously they x-rayed it and scanned it up as and they got the shape of a plastic toy gun they so they rang up my broker who then questioned me mate what, what have you got in here i said oh, i've got some plastic toy guns okay what do they do Oh, they light up, they make sounds, they operate like Nerf. He goes, oh, okay, no worries. Well, that just backs up our paperwork, uh, which is basically to declare them as plastic toys and the value, um, how much weight there is, et cetera, and how many boxes. Um, I then get a phone call half hour later. He goes, yeah, no worries, mate. It's going to be delivered to you in two weeks' time. Um, uh, so, yeah, the biggest thing that Border Force have ever really done, or sorry, even just, sorry, Customs have ever done is just X- just put them under a random X-ray and that might, you know, usually that might delay the uh, delay the shipment by a day. I'm I'm all for it. You know, go for it to make sure there's actually nothing contaminating in inside the container. Um, but when it comes to police investigations, yeah, my first one was in uh, 2012. We actually had two officers in suits from the firearm registry come to uh, my parents' place, which is where I was operating at the time, um, up in Newcastle, and Mum rang me up. I'm um, going, hey, Brad, can you come over? There's two police officers here wanting to talk to you about your, about your business. Uh, talk about shitting myself <laughs> for 15 minutes on the drive over. <laughs> I can over. imagine, I can imagine. Uh, and I'm like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? And they, did, they happen? didn't even contact you they prior had, to? No, no, they just, they just came up. They had a full portfolio on basically who I was, every picture and everything I had ever um, posted from the time on Armored Heaven. And they were the two nicest, nicest gents I've ever had to deal with when it came to, at, from, from the time. They were going, yeah, g'day, mate. We all shook hands. Look, yeah, we, we know you run a toy gun business. We're just here to make sure you're not selling airsoft guns, unregistered uh, replicas and firearms. You know, just making sure that you're not, you know, 
a front for something. So I, we whipped open. I've said, oh, okay, yeah, no worries. Whipped up the garage, whipped out the, the garage door. You know, me being naive, I probably should have got legal um, representation at the time. But I thought, no, nah, these guys are pretty pretty um, spot on. They've looked at it and gone, oh, yep, cool, toy guns, nice. All right, we'll just take a few photos and catch you later. We're going to go deal with some real crime. Uh, they basically put me as first job because the second job for them was a dude who actually did have illegal guns that they had evidence of. They were going to go and arrest him. So I was the I was the uh, the warm up for him, um, and then after that I've had another informal one where, um, uh, uh, yeah, they just said, "Hey, like it was actually the Charlestown um, Charlestown Police uh, Station rang me up. The sergeant there he goes, "Hey, mate, look, we know about your business. Uh, we just want to double check to make sure that your toy guns are still toy guns that you sell. You're not selling anything different." I've got, yeah, sure, no worries, come on over. So they did. They sent a young bloke over who, um, he's coming and going, ah, yep, cool, toy guns. I've gone, you wasted a couple of hours in paperwork, didn't you? Just in case I was doing something wrong. He goes, yeah, I did. All right, nice apartment. (laughs) The funny thing about that is if they go, we're making sure you're not a front to something. So if we turn up, why? As if you'd pull out something you're yeah. not supposed to have. Surely, if you knew they were going, hey guys, to be check there. out my illegal Barrett or something yeah, like that. Uh, <laughs> it, it makes no sense, does it? Doesn't make uh, no sense at you, all. You'd be surprised. I've asked a few cops, so like, and I'm going to get rid of it yeah. before you get there. If that's what you're telling me, you'd, obviously this is not happening. Yeah, but I'm just no. giving you an example. Well, yeah, it's like, funny they give you a day's notice, so <laughs> you know, it's yeah, just any, stupid, anything could happen. Stupid. But uh, no, like, uh, it, like they've they've told me they've gone, mate. You'd be surprised what people say to us because we're in your face. We're all friendly. And, you know, they go, oh yeah, yeah, hey, come and check out this stuff and turns out they've got something illegal and they're oh we've got you know you shouldn't have done that you you, you idiot you, you've shown us something that you shouldn't have so fast forward a couple of years to 2016 we had um i was now set up sharing a shop um in Parramatta next to crunch gym um along george street there we were facing uh one of the car parks and we um we actually had the uh the Parramatta major crimes and firearm department come in and they actually brought up the whole making sure that i was was what i was um because they've had experience where um uh, Jury, obviously, Parramatta is just one of those uh, one of those um, cities that, for forty years, they've had crime um, of all sorts of things, and they've actually had people run legitimate businesses as fronts for laundering money or selling drugs or illegal guns and stuff. And so, yeah, let's. This is the hilarious part. I didn't mean to interrupt. This is the hilarious part. Let's uh, get into something that may attract a little bit of uh, scrutiny. For an example, for for a front for something, it makes no sense. Wouldn't you be like a florist or, some, yeah, or something? Yeah. That's why stupid, would I you sell? Have, why would you sell? Attract? Uh, yeah, somewhat a little bit of attention based on gel blasters, which yeah, I guess you can expect them to say, "Yep, yeah, come in. Yep, yeah, these are toys. No mm. problem at all. Uh, continue about your business. If I'm going to have a front for something, sure, it's not going to be toy blast or gel blasters. Yeah, basically." And if I'm going to run a legal firearm trade, I wouldn't be in Australia to begin with. I'd be elsewhere. It'd be like grooming pet shop or something. Yeah. Something a bit more or less uh, yeah. interesting. You know? Well, the funny thing is we don't even have the crime rate to support a flourishing illegal black market, whatever you call it, firearm dealership in this country at all because the crime rate is does not support it versus what my sales numbers are. But um, like basically, if you were to look at my toy guns with the type of sales I was making, if you were then to transfer them directly into an illegal firearm, full automatic, assault weapon whatever you want to call it the level of crime would be alien invasion yeah. um and there wouldn't be a person alive on the street simply because we'd all be dead and the aliens would come in and take us over or, or whatever um but yeah anyway the, the yeah the Parramatta guys they came in again two nice blokes came in and they were actually quite the read they've got oh oh you got toy guns all right so all right so your website and everything lines up oh okay cool they were really excited at the fact that they were so hard pressed um Throughout the week, with all their work, they actually had forty minutes to go have lunch. Uh, they could actually yeah, sit right. down and, yep. and have some lunch because yeah, they were doing um, 
they were doing you know, a lot of hard stuff throughout the week, which they said, yeah, mate, we are so glad you're, you're here doing this sort of stuff because, quite frankly, we're sick of dealing with idiots and we're just so glad that now that we've sorted you out, not being an idiot, but sorting you out, we can just go have have a bite to eat and actually sit down and and um, and just relax for a bit on, on whilst on the job. And I thought, oh, gee, you guys are pretty hard pressed. They they again they took photos of um, of the store. Um, at the time, I had I had some jaw blasters, so I said, hey, can I just ask for your professional opinion? These jaw blasters, they're a new toy. They do. Sh- they they operate like a Nerf gun. Is there any chance that they could be considered a firearm? And the bloke looked at me, looked at the item, and said. No, nah, don't care. We don't care about toys. You know, we're not concerned about toys being firearms. Um, you know, obviously he's more concerned about illegal guns. Um, yeah, that's so- going to be interesting when I Michael's sitting next to you as well. Obviously, this is something, and hopefully you can remind me when we actually go to speak yeah, to Michael yeah, yeah. about this. But whether there's a I'm not saying a precedent, so to speak, but the fact that they've come this many times, whether I'm not sure how much information you'll be able to give, but whether that will have any bearing you know, on the case come in the future? Because I find that quite interesting. Going on from that, was that the last time you heard from the police in 2016? Yeah, that the, was the last time the prior to then having the uh, the seizure warrant when I was set up at a um, at a warehouse in Penrith, which is just simply closer to home. Let's talk about that then. So what yeah. happened? Were you at the premises? Yep, yeah, I was working at the premises. Bit of a lazy day for me, so I was wearing thongs, uh, shorts and a singlet because it was just too damn hot. Uh, <laughs> Um, and both my employer that I've spoken about um, before, we were both there just wrapping up parcels. We had like 50 things done by halfway throughout the day, just two of us working together. What, sorry, wait a minute. What, what was your stock inventory then? You had a lot oh, of job glasses um, on here. We were, uh, it was five weeks after receiving a 20-foot container worth of toys, that of which when I sort of talked about the M4 Terminator being sold in, for, in exactly 14 days, we'd basically... Um, had you know, the last remainder of those wrapped up, ready to go. Um, Australia Post were due to come out that day between 3 and 4 p.m. And so at, at about 11.30 that day, oh, sorry, no, 12 o'clock, between, between 12 and 1 o'clock, I think it was, uh, yeah, the uh, multiple police officers turned up in their vehicles. Um, they Knock on the door, hello? Oh, the, uh, we had the garage door open because it's just a warehouse. Um, so I, I operated out of Kenna's, which was a semi-permanent location until I found something, um, like an office, like a showroom with, with a, with a warehouse. Um, and so they've just come up, they've introduced themselves, identified what, what they were there to do. How many? Uh, Roughly. from memory, there were at least eight. So that, cause you know, they get told on paper, there's firearms come along. Cause that, so obviously as a cop, you have to expect the worst. You can't just go, oh, yeah, maybe they're toys. No, no, <laughs> don't, don't be that hopeful. <laughs> In this circumstances, yes, they are toys. But, yeah, basically um, the, the officer, the senior constable, um, I'll keep his name out of it, um, but uh, he's come along, yeah, very professional, just to identify what he's doing here. Uh, we're, we're acting under the orders from, uh, from, from uh, this ballistics officer who will now go through and assess all your items and determine whether or not they're firearms. And... Yeah, basically, they had it on camera. He's identifying absolutely everything as a firearm, even to the point that one of my toys, which resembled something from the video game Halo, which is set in year 3000-something or other, he, um, on camera, he actually identified that, as you'll love this, as a category, imitation fantasy assault rifle. What, whilst he's there? Yep, whilst so, he's so there. So he's made these assumptions. Before they've even left, they're already making assumptions on yeah, these things. He, for them to see something, they have to say it is something. So he's going through, this is an imitation M4, this is an imitation P90, this is an imitation Barrett, this is an imitation M249, squad, something or other weapon. Uh, and then, yeah, he goes to my very sci-fi looking rifles and calls them imitation fantasy rifles. When I was looking at him, going, I, I looked at him... <laughs> 
I looked at him it like... It's so funny. It would be yeah. stupid, you know? Yeah. It is stupid. I, I looked at him. I'm behind the camera. I just looked at him like, bro, you serious? If you're going to classify this stuff as, as something made up, because there's no such firearm category for, um, for imitations such as fantasy. If that's the case, every single toy gun ever sold since 1996 is now under scrutiny as a fantasy weapon, um, such as Nerf, Super Soaker, anything to do with Transformers, G.I. Joe, all that sort of stuff. Um, hell, even the hot toy stuff where you get um, some of the figures with, with guns, even like the John Wick one that's coming out, and uh, even from Marvel. When he Universe. was saying that, did you say anything to him? No, no, no. no, no. I, I didn't want to play silly buggers on the day because they had the cameras out. They did ask me a few questions like, what, what do you think firearms are? And I gave a very sort of uh, stuttered, shocked sort of like trying to wrap my head around because I, I do observe, I have observed the law since 2010. But admittedly, on that day when someone, you know, when, when they come to you, you know, they basically come to you and go, well, what do you think these are? And you're like, oh, crap, now I have to wrap around. I haven't, I hadn't actually Toy looked. guns? Yeah. I hadn't looked at, um, I hadn't looked at the PDF files um, available off the New South Wales police site. And, um, of course, there are also other federal sites for what is a firearm, what isn't a firearm, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm giving a very uh, um, and, um definition, especially when it came to, well, why don't you think they're real firearms? And I'm like, well, you know, they don't have this, they don't have that. Yeah, such as things like none of my toy guns are, don't have they don't have gas blocks, which is one of the fundamental um, items on a on a, any kind of AR style or even AK style um, rifle when, when you're talking real weapons. And so I sort of said that, and they're like, "Well, how do you know that?" I'm like, "Because the gun or my toys don't use gas." <laughs> yeah, and they're like, "Oh, okay, no worries." Right? Yeah, they basically just took what I sort of said. Oh, they didn't give an opinion, which is fine. I kept it cool, calm, and collected on the day because I thought, no, nah, I do not want to be that guy that starts sort of big noting him on the day, yelling, interrupting sort of stuff. That's understandable, it'll, yeah. It'll, it'll work against me because I guarantee you, know, they'll, they'll, they'll have it on camera and then they'll write down in the report. And if you've got it on paper, therefore, it must be true. So um, I just kept calm and collected, came home, spoke to my wife at the time and just gone, I've just had my whole life completely effed. And now I have to call my lawyer, Michael, who, funny enough, I actually met as a, um, as a customer. He walked into my shop when he was in, um, when he was attending uh, some, uh, like a court matter in Parramatta. He's walked into my shop and he, was, um, he sort of looked at the stuff and we had a few questions. I'll let him sort of talk about what we, what we discussed. But uh, he actually, funny enough, short, short stories, he gave me his card and said, mate, if you're ever in a spot of trouble, give me a call. A couple of months later, gave him a call. Did you, when they turned up, did you at any stage, obviously you want to say too much, which I understand that, you know, police have already come and several times before this and there's not been a problem? Yeah, I've, I did make mention that like, well, hey, can you guys answer me any questions as to why is it different from other previous investigations? And they sort of went, they sort of played the whole, oh, you've, you've been investigated before, have you? Well, what happened there? I said, absolutely nothing. They came in for five minutes and they, sometimes they'd spend five minutes looking at the stuff, just assessing what I've done. And then 20 minutes is just, we're all talking shop to each other. You know, they're telling me a funny story of something that they found someone doing illegal. And then I might tell them a funny story of a customer being a complete dickhead. Um, you know, two totally different experiences. We all just have a bit of a laugh about it because, you know, let's face it, humans can be assholes. Um, and then they'd sort of, you know, there's always a case of they'd all, they'd, they'd drive away, grab a coffee, grab lunch, or go do some actual crime solving work. And I'm, left to tend to my customers. We actually discussed this before the show, but about the scale, you wanted to mention something about that too. Yeah, so... Of the gel blasters. Yeah, so a lot of them, uh, the whole purpose of their of them being toys is they you know, they do resemble uh, stuff stuff from the real world um, as in the same sense as, say, toy cars resemble that of their real vehicle um, appearances. 
Um, but yeah, when when they sort of they are they are big toy guns, but however they don't represent an absolute accurate one to one scale of a real firearm when you factor in length, width, height. You know, uh, basically in your hands, also to do with weight and feel. Um, so obviously, when you've got say, I, I've when I went to America, I've held an M4. And at a it was at Machine Gun Vegas, it had a uh, like a rubbery plastic grip, but the rest of it was you know metal. Whereas my and that thing weighed at least two kilo. I can't remember the full weight. One of my toys, you know, a lot of these toys, you'd be lucky if they even weigh half a kilo, and they're full plastic. And you never thought at any stage these are actual guns, obviously. Oh God, no, no. Uh, any like you know, basically, I look at it and go, well, a kid can pick it up and run full sprint with one. Um, you know, if you gave him one of my bigger, give give him or her one of the the big toy guns and go right in this footy field, run full sprint as far as you can. If you were to give a child a real weapon, like say a big machine gun, and say run full sprint, they're going to look at you and go, "You serious? I can't do that. I can't even lift the damn thing." And whilst we're talking about this, yeah, we'll just verify that whilst anyone is looking to buy this, they're fully informed and they're fully visually aware that what they are buying is a toy simply because of their great quality build. And they are, in fact, nowhere even near the appearance of an actual firearm. And this one will be interesting, too. When people have come over to your shop looking at them, no one's ever mistaken this as being a real firearm, I should say. Obviously, it's a toy. No one's ever come to you and said, oh, this looks, uh, yeah, this is a real firearm. No, exactly. I've actually had a police officer come in. Um, funny enough, when, when the Parramatta guys came in, they obviously briefed the, they actually, um, I found out they actually briefed uh, the, the station saying, yes, we do have a toy gun seller in our, in our, in our city. Um, he, here's his location. If you see anyone around that area, like if you see the shop, don't be alarmed. It, it, we've checked it out. It's fine. So we had a few officers sort of pop their head in as they're doing the beat, walking past going, ah, oh, well, that's all the fuss was about. Ah, oh, righto. And they're not even looking at it. They just pop their head in and go, Cool. I had one guy, um, he sort of started um, being a police officer 20, almost 20 years ago. And in his opinion, he's seen some pretty hard stuff. And he looked at my story, he goes, he goes oh, you're Brad, aren't you? I'm like, yeah. He goes, yeah, I thought you looked like the guy on the website. That is you, isn't it? I'm like, yeah, that's me. He goes, oh, man, I just want to say congratulations. You've done such a good job on your business here. Like, yeah, you're selling toy guns and stuff, and I have to deal with a lot of bull crap when it comes to actual firearms. But I just want to say you've done a magnificent job. Uh, I just really admire the fact that you've taken a toy gun business so far. I'm just, wow. I'm like, oh, hey, do you want to be a customer? He goes, oh, no, nah, mate, I've got one on me belt for real life. I don't, want to, <laughs> I don't want to have one for the home. The missus don't like guns. I'm like, oh, fair enough. And he goes, yeah, good on you, mate. Good luck. Catch you around. It's funny how the average customer, children, know these are a toy, yet whatever political powers that be and all the police can't <laughs> discern what the difference between a toy is. Obviously, inevitably will come down to what the legislation says, but people know these to be only a toy. Yeah, I think when it comes to politically, it's uh, everything comes down to, well, my, in my opinion, virtue signaling. Um, you know, I could, I could argue toy cars are dangerous because they... Well, toy, toy cars should be banned because they encourage people to drive dangerously because a child will smash them into each other whilst, whilst they're playing, playing around. Yeah, now, how silly does that sound? It's like when we used to play, what were those ones called? You might remember, the, there was a scale electric, remember? Oh, remember the ones used to go, you press the button and they go on the little uh, yes, yeah. uh, motorised one on yep. the track they're and all that. Going, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those go ones. as fast as you can. Oh, heaven yeah. forbid, you know, that's, we're going to do that in real life. Well, it's just cra- it's crazy. It's exactly. crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. So when, when you, even, even, even when you look at stuff like, uh, uh, toy tools, you got you know, for, and even like little kitchen stuff that you know teach little boys and girls to cook and and build and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, can you argue? Well, you know, you're giving them access to a hammer. 
imagine what they could do with, 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 with you know, in, in the wrong hands, what a hammer could do um, committing violent acts to people. It all just comes down to um, unsolicited and unabridged comparisons between a toy and, and its real and a, like and a real life counterpart um, for that type of thing. And you know, we could sit here all day and argue: can are toys dangerous to people? And when, when you actually look at some news articles, when they actually have talked about toy guns in the in the future, especially that whole debacle about toy guns or any kind of toy, even swords being banned at daycare centres. Um, the, uh, the, the news has sort of psychologists and other people come out and go, there's no correlating evidence between a children's toy um, encouraging someone to commit acts of violence. And that is simply because a toy is probably one of the least to grab to commit an act of violence versus stuff you can find in your kitchen, in your garage. Hell, even around my house right now, I've got photo frames, can of drink, you know. That type of stuff. You Based on use. what we're dealing with here, you never know in the future. Stranger things have happened. Look yep. at the charges you're dealing with. So I, I would never say never in the next 20 or 30 years, that's for sure. Would you like to advertise on one of the most tech-savvy mediums on the internet? Then why don't you advertise with us on the Australian Hunting Podcast? If you have a product or business that you would like to promote, then we would love to hear from you. Become one of our partner advertisers by calling Jason on 0425 881 967 or email australianhuntingpodcast at gmail.com. All right, mate, just give us a rundown because this is the most interesting part. I guess we'll get onto the the severity because I don't, I don't think people really understand what you actually could be going through with mm-hmm. this particular issue. Let's go through some of the charges. I think that'll yeah, be very I mean, interesting on letting people know actually what you're actually being charged with yep. and, and some of the potential stuff we'll go through with Michael in just a few moments. Yeah, definitely. I've got this published on my Facebook page under, um, under a pinned note. These are the five um, serious indictable um, firearm charges. Now, for anyone who has either been charged with firearm offences or knows people of, this sort of stuff, when, it, when the word indictable comes up, means it has to go through the courts. It has to be debated and more or less a decision being made. It can't just be simply dropped. Uh, as a logical thinking, everyday person might go, well, what, why are we even bothering with toy guns? So I'll read out these five charges that I've been hit with. Uh, number one, possession of three or more unregistered firearms, including pistol or prohibited firearm. So it doesn't matter how many, just three or more. Is that the legislature? I'm that, not that, sure. That, that's Probably. the charge. Yeah, that's, that's the, the charge. charge. Yeah, sure. Number two is possess unauthorized firearm. Uh, number three, possess ammunition without holding license or authority. Oh, those gel balls. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Big, all the, all the gunpowder, which doesn't exist. It's just water. Unbelievable. I'll go into it later, but there is a court case that actually disproved charge number three as being legitimate. Uh, number four is possess or use a prohibited weapon without being licensed. And number five, this is the big one, carry on activities of firearm dealer without being licensed. Now, anyone who's watched the movie Lord of War by Nicolas Cage, they're trying to say that I'm a big black market firearm dealer that is bringing death and destruction to the Australian community, whereas I'm just a 30-year-old nerd who loves Transformers, video games, cosplay, anything like that, and apparently I'm Australia's most dangerous person right now, I guess you could say. So when they slapped you with that, what was your initial thoughts on that? I thought, oh, shit, if I've got all these charges um, for issuing toy guns, let's, uh, let's go to the SAS and give them to them and see, um, see how quickly we'd be laughed and have our ass kicked off base. Um, <laughs> True. I, I, I've often joked to Michael that if I was selling um, uh, real black market firearms, I wouldn't, well, I wouldn't be in the country. Um, but I'd be pulling, when, when, when I look at my sales stats, I'd be 
making $300 million a year. What person do they honestly think would have a website promoting toy guns? And then them comes, no, no, these are real. Like, it, it, honestly, it, I'm, I'm, and also, I'm trying to keep my price. frustration in check because it's like, it's like, look at me, look at me. Yes, I'm still... You must be the fucking poorest criminal. <laughs> or the I've worst criminal. so much in the red right now. <laughs> you must be the worst criminal I've ever seen. Have yeah, you it's ever, ridiculous. Have it's you ever so gone into a, um, into a legitimate gun shop and walked in and said, hello, sir, I'd like a military spec grade, fully equipped M4 for $200 or less, please? I don't think the ones, that, the real black market firearms that are out there on the street... Which like, go for a, like and 20 go for, grand a pop at least. Exactly. Yeah. You're not going to be advertising those on your legal, normal website saying, yes. I wouldn't advertise them at all. I have no interest in it's that sort of stuff at all. Exactly. It, quite frankly, is too much stress and hard work. Like, why would I want to put myself in a position where at any given time my house can be kicked kicked in by, by you know, our, our you know, uh, I even say you know, Task Force Raptor or something. You know, say if they decide, well, we're going to set our sights on him. He's selling real, real dangerous weapons. Let's kick his door in and teach him a lesson. They bring him into the courts and have him charged. And quite frankly, with these five sort of serious firearm um, offences going on for 19 months, no bail given, no bail conditions. I could leave the country with everything I have, and I would not even be questioned um, why why you leave in the country. I'd be allowed to leave, um, and. Uh, so that sort of thing, it, it just really baffles the mind. And, the, and quite frankly, and I, and I think the police are working, like the local police are working in my favour here, is they haven't published it in the media. Normally when there's anything to do with anything to do with a gun accusation or a firearm accusation or even just an actual crime, it's hauled out in the media as fresh, brand new news. Nothing, Not, not even a peep has been said. Uh, the biggest media attention this has actually ever received is just magazine articles, your podcasts and a few little tidbits online like just facebook shares like I, I was half expecting when i contacted michael to you know at any at any given time my name is going to be basically um thrown out in the public media and i'm just going to be in shambles because they'll be all like oh brad town is a firearm dealer he needs to be prosecuted blah 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 there's been nothing like i can't even believe we're saying firearm dealer in the yeah. same sentence as toy guns it's yeah. just it's, it's an insult to the actual firearm dealers who go through hell to to sell you know sporting hunting rifles and all things that are legal in this country such as even just pistols for for target and IPSC competitions that here's this toy seller um, being classified as firearm dealer like I don't even need to have a security system in my, in my premises uh, to watch over boxes of toys whereas they have to spend thousands of dollars yeah, that's right, for all that correct, sort of yeah. stuff I mean, you seem pretty calm about the whole situation. I mean, your demeanor seems uh, confident. Yeah. Not, not that that could be, you know, let, let's hope confident after the fact is going to be a good thing. But and that's what I'm going to talk to Michael about in a minute. Some serious sort of offenses here. I mean, there's some, five of them. I've you had, could be looking at jail time here. Yeah, no yeah, doubt about it. No doubt about it. It's a bit of a reality that has hit me um, here and there, but I've always had the bravado of my customer support. And even just random people who, like I mentioned at the Libertarian Conference, who had absolutely no idea about what was going on, they sort of give you a you know, pat on the back. Good luck, mate. You know, keep your chin up and uh, you, you're definitely going to win. You, know, you get customers message you all the time, even just ones that have never sort of just got into the hobby and gone, hey, I'm in New South Wales, but these are legal, but why Why do you have firearm charges? And I tell them, I'm like, hey, read this. Here's the information, but the, the, you know, the abridged version is um, I've got firearm charges simply because someone decided to come after me to try and make them illegal, and they've got, oh, damn, that sucks. Good luck, dude. Hope you win, and then I'll be, I'll be coming and throwing my wallet at you to buy a whole bunch of stuff. 
So I've had 19 months basically to um, sort of debate this over. I've had one of my best friends, he and I have got into some massive arguments over this because he's like, dude, this is what's going to happen. They're going to come at you. They're going to say they're firearms. And he'll purposely hold the opinion that these are firearms just to hear what I have to say about it. And it's like we, we never hang up on each other, but I'll tell you what, once um, once it almost happened. <laughs> uh, it, was almost, it, wasn't, it wasn't a friendship-ending moment, but I was just so frustrated. I'm like, all right, yeah, that was good. Um, and it was completely unplanned. I didn't know what he was doing. He was just like, yeah, mate, that's how it's going to be in court. I'm like, oh, shit. And like he's sort of – I sort of look at him as a bit of a mentor. Um, prior to sort of 2015, um, yeah, I was very casual about this sort of business, very sort of, you know, take a day off here and there. And he sort of went, mate, if you want to make some serious coin, you know, pull, pull your head out of your ass and, you know, come to work at six, leave at least no later than, oh, sorry, no earlier than five or 6 p.m. that day. And just, you know, I, I shared a shop with him in Parramatta and, um, and, you know, and work hard, work hard, work hard. And he goes, look, don't change your business model. Your business model is good, which is to sell things. Um, just change your frame of mind, like just be fully committed. And I'm like, all right, no worries. So um, it, it was an immediate change. I had way more customers just by sort of, you know, changing the way I thought and, and the way that um, I approach things just by having a business commitment by going to work six days a week instead of going to work four days a week. Um, you know, I'd have Mondays off, but then the, but sometimes I tell my customers, look, I've got Mondays off. Um, technically I was there. But I just didn't want my customers to come into the shop simply because I could catch up on postage. So, so I could catch up on, um, on, uh, on postage. Um, so that way when the customers did come in on Tuesdays, because sometimes you know, my awesome customers would come in, they'd talk to me for 40 minutes about anything, anything to do. It could be uh, about toy guns or what they're planning to do with them. It could be even just topics such as airsoft. Uh, oh, yeah, I you know, wish we had this. And I'm like, oh, okay, no worries. Like, my opinion on airsoft is I've never really sort of had an opinion. As a business, um, I... I haven't sort of actively supported something that is currently not legalized in this country. Um, but, you know, sort of overhearing people talk about it, I'm like, okay, that, that, that sounds pretty cool. I, I'd be behind that. Even people like... I I've mean, had, we can shoot paintball. Yeah, exactly. Uh, actually, own, that's been deregulated as of next cow, year. I can own a... Me personally, I yep. can own a 50 cal sniper rifle. Mm-hmm. No problem. Can't shoot it on many ranges due to the... You know, firearms registry and their ballistics. It's a 50 cal, you know. Their ballistics <laughs> yeah. shooting it on a range, which yeah. is probably no different than a, you know, different rifles of high caliber you can shoot there. So I can own that, but I can't shoot. Yeah. I can't now own. What we're not understanding too is this precedent being set with mm-hmm. you. What about when people, colleagues could come into someone's home just for, a, could be a domestic, could be any situation. Something can happens. They see fire. It? Yeah, there's a jaw blaster that someone sold them, which is, yep. you know, no, there's well, been never an issue. And then, oh, hang on. Yeah, this sparks up again. Oh, you—that's an illegal firearm. What I mean? It's a toy that shoots gel yeah. blasters. Well, the best thing about all this is when people ask me, "Hey, man, you got firearm charges, but aren't the, are these illegal or not?" I literally have to answer, "No, they're not illegal," because there's no document or um, or new law that's been passed to target gel blasters as being unlawful. So this whole firearm charges, uh, you know, uh, debacle is basically to set, quite frankly, in my opinion, a very dangerous precedence on toys. Um, and you know the their argument is that these look like real guns and and you know that they are air guns and all that sort of stuff and that they you're an, you're an illegal firearm dealer um you know so they're trying to create a precedent that will let them if they see it like any kind of toy gun hell it could be a super soak oh it's i thought it was a real firearm at the time so therefore you're going to get charged um and you know, so yeah, you're right. You are right. Yeah, what happens to to the general public? I've had you know a customer message me going, "Hey man, really hope you win because my ten year old child is freaking out that he might go to jail 
for you know having a for owning the toy gun i said mate if that ever happened simply i'll take the toy gun back give you your money back i'll surrender it to the cops and take it you know oh hey mate here's an extra one for you guys just so you know so just so the kid felt better about it and, and sort of felt a bit more rest assured that he'd be okay um but yeah it's just the whole thing is like when you think about imagine going to jail sitting there working out you know where, where, where your place is in jail obviously you're fresh and you got everyone sort of looking at you and they sort of go, hey, what, what are you in for? Uh, I heard you got firearm charges. What can you get me? Oh, I can get you a Nerf gun. I can get you a toy gun for your kids. They're going to look at you and go, wait, you're not a real firearm dealer? No. Well, what are you doing in here, mate? You know, like, and, and they'll either treat you like shit or they'll laugh at you. Yeah. This is what annoys me about the, and I don't want to say it this way. This is all over this, man, and the issues that have, you've had. Yeah, there's some good police out there, but oh, I, mean, yeah. I mean, they don't give a, a – sorry to swear from a – I don't swear all the time, but they mm-hmm. don't give a fuck about – No, they don't. I've got about, police customers. About, yeah. you know, the effects that it's had on your life, you know, the lost uh, relationships, marriage, uh, business. I mean, it really pisses me off, to be honest. I mean, uh, it's a travesty what's happening to you. I truly believe that because, you know, all the things that have happened, all for nothing, all for nothing, yeah. that have major effects on your life. These people don't give a shit. Disgust yeah, me. I, it really I, disgusts I, me, to be honest. I this agree that why. they don't give a shit. It's simply because in their mind, toys aren't a problem. When when I do look at the can, the court attendants notice to have the firearm charges that I read off. Um, the local police have actually sort of done me a few favours by acknowledging the fact that um, you know, I've done nothing wrong in the past and that my history is clean. So yeah, true, uh, true. it's just it's just a little sentence that's like sort of, I didn't really notice it for months and months and months. And then Michael goes, oh, by the way, this. I'm like, I re- went back and reread it and went, oh, okay. So even in the can, the local police, uh, Penrith, um, have acknowledged it, the fact that up until we were ordered to come and do this, we didn't give two hoots what you were selling as long as you weren't selling real guns that were unlawful. So, and like, like I said, just sort of butted in before where I said, yeah, I've got police customers. I do. I've got a whole bunch that do, you know, do cosplay and other bits of people. Or just collect them because they're cool. That's what I mean. Potentially, yeah. you know, they're in breach now by owning these types of firearms. The whole exactly, thing's an yeah. absurdity. It's yeah, an absurdity. Like, I've got customers who... Yeah, war veterans who wanted to like I, I used to sell um, a toy. You know, I, I've had a Tommy gun, and I've had a war veteran go, "Oh, oh my god! You know, I can't believe I can finally buy a Tommy gun." Um, I got, I was fortunate. Joel to, Blaster, obviously, yeah, 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 yeah. Joel, Joel <laughs> Just Blaster, yeah, Joel the same Blaster. page, you know. <laughs> but you know, he was basically going, "Oh, you know, I, I've served in the wars. Uh, I got to fire one when I was working with an American um, squad, and since then I've always wanted one." and and I see your toy, it looks so good. It just sort of reminds me of my time in service, even though, you know, God forbid we never go into world wars again. He has, you know, a memory of that to sort of flush out all the other bad stuff that they definitely would have seen. And you sort of, you know, you sort of you know, put your hand on your heart and go, oh, okay, these toys are just, you know, um, sort of even used, not, not just to be used in play, but also remembrance uh, for something that someone's done in the past. Uh, I think my oldest customer is almost 90. He even just, yeah, I, I just bought some because this is what we used back in the day. Like even some of the toy pistols. Uh, yeah, I, I used um, a real life version of this and I bought it for my grandkids. I'm like, oh, wow, awesome. Michael's been sitting next to you patiently just uh, doing yeah, a bit no of work, doing some looking and we'll get a bit more in depth with uh, with that. This is probably going to be a bit longer podcast than we normally do, but this is great because this doesn't happen. Uh, there's some juicy content all, here, yeah, isn't it? <laughs> some, this does not happen all the time and uh, having you know Brad and Michael at the same time is definitely, definitely good. So we'll just we'll uh, pass it over to Michael. Michael, thank you. Great to have you here helping out Brad in this 
issue. So tell us, give us an all-round of what you think at the moment, what's he dealing with, and just to get people to understand, I guess, the severity of what he's actually dealing with and what he's actually been charged with. Well, firstly, um, thank you for having me here. Look, the the severity of these charges potentially is absolutely catastrophic. I mean, if these are dealt with uh, as real firearms, then there's very real punishments which are attached to those charges. When the legislation was formulated to deal with firearms, the punishments reflect just how seriously Parliament takes issues with guns. So, asking my opinion, well, I mean, when you have a, a toy seller being charged under firearms legislation facing, we're talking years in prison, each charge, he's got five charges in front of him. Each one of them has attached a very serious penalty and a very, very long stint in jail. I mean, it's it's absolutely absurd. It's well, in my opinion, it's well outside why this legislation was brought in in the first place. This isn't this isn't somebody involved in street violence. This isn't a criminal. This isn't someone who's known to police. This is a cosplayer. A, uh, I say this in the nicest way because we are friends. We became friends, and I'll is get this to where that. you're about to put shit on him. <laughs> it is, yeah. This is this is someone like myself, just a a, a kid adult, someone who likes to play with is that, toys. Is that, is that accurate? <laughs> I mean, realistically, it's quite absurd that he's even facing this, and it's even more absurd that he's got to go and defend himself in court. Um, And just to give an idea to people who are out there in respect of how serious these charges are, um, Brad read his charges earlier, but what Brad didn't read is, obviously, didn't have the legislation in front of him, is what the penalties which attach to each one is. So if you don't mind, it might be a little bit tedious. Absolutely, absolutely. But I, I would like to read it word for word. So the first charge which Brad has is all this is regulated under the uh, Firearms Act 1996. So the first charge Brad has is under 51D, which is unauthorized possession of firearms in an aggravated circumstances. Subsection 2, which relates to Brad, is this, and I'm going to read it word for word. A person who is in possession of more than three firearms, any one of which is a pistol or prohibited firearm, is guilty of an offence under this subsection if the A, the firearms are not registered, and B, the person is not authorised by a licence or permit to possess the firearms. Maximum penalty, imprisonment for 20 years. Now, before we even go into the penalties, you can obviously see the issue here. If we assume that this is a firearm, there's aggravating features to this. He has to be dealt with really seriously and i mean i don't need to tell you what a prohibited firearm is or a pistol but these are toy guns based very loosely on a real life counterpart i.e there are some toys which are made to resemble in broad strokes the appearance of a pistol there are some which in broad strokes mimic the appearance of a prohibited weapon that being an automatic assault rifle for example moving on The next charge he has is the unauthorised possession or use of a firearm. That's under 7A of the same Firearms Act. The penalty for that is five years. Then we go to the supply, acquisition and possession of ammunition for firearms. And just so we're clear here, this is to deal with genuine bullets and ammunition. As most people would understand it, this is in no way encapsulates by definition or by direct reference gelatinous crystals which are infused <laughs> with water to create a what a six million diameter little gelatinous ball oh my god it just it just makes it, it's mind-boggling isn't it 
it, it, it's it's really quite stunning. Um, I, I don't even know where to start. So, you know, that, that that's something which aggravates the other charges quite separately, but itself it has a, you know, a massive penalty, monetary penalty. It's 50 penalty units. Each penalty unit is $110. So times it by 50 and there's your penalty. And that attaches to the other charges, just so we're clear. Um, then the... Um, Next offence is the uh, offence of an unauthorised possession or use of a pistol um, or a prohibited firearm. Now, this has got a maximum sentence of 14 years. So right now, I mean, if you were to run these... Are these all... I'm not sure if I'm using concurrent in the right word. Are these on top, so 20, 14... Are these together or are these separate? Just to explain that, because obviously myself not being obviously a sister or a lawyer, for an example, what does that actually mean for Brad here? What it means for Brad is this. Um, the exercise of sentencing um, is undertaken by the judge, and it's at the judge's discretion whether these sentences would be concurrent or whether they'd be commun- uh, cumulative, which means it's, it's really subject to the judge how he applies the sentence. I mean, they could be partially concurrent. They could be wholly concurrent. But realistically, for Brad, well, it doesn't matter how the reasoning would be applied in that respect. I mean, if we, if we got to the point where he's getting sentenced for real firearms, then there's something seriously wrong. I can only put it at that because there is no scenario where it's even slightly appropriate for a man selling costume pieces and toys to be facing that kind of penalty. I just wonder, I just don't think people really, and probably listen to this show, and I don't think, for, I guess for the first probably 45 to 50 minutes, really, can you really drive home, I guess, to people that this is not just, well, you've been a little bit naughty, Brad. Tell people how serious these charges actually are and, and what he potentially may be coming up. You go into court, how serious this actually is. I guess people need to need to understand what, what he's dealing with. Well, I suppose for people out there, the big takeaway is this, that these charges are being pursued under a certain part of that legislation, the Firearms um, Act. So under um, Section 4D, there's special provisions relating to imitation firearms. And I should explain this because imitation firearms is more or less the way the police are pursuing this. So under the legislation... Guys can read it yourselves. It's very dry if I read it word for word. But more or less, an imitation firearm will be dealt with as though it's its real-life counterpart. So that's an important thing to understand. Even if it's an imitation, you will be dealt with. I mean, it may mitigate on your ultimate sentence, but you're going to be dealt with as though it's a real gun. So the legislation goes on to actually define what constitutes an imitation firearm. Now, this is going to be pretty problematic, um, as you're all going to hear shortly. So an imitation firearm means an object that, regardless of its colour, weight or composition, or the presence or absence of any movable parts, substantially duplicates in appearance a firearm, but that is not a firearm. Now, I mean, the immediately obvious thing is how broad that definition is. Uh, This legislation, when it was enacted, was able to be that broad because my genuine belief is it never foresaw a time where we wouldn't be applying common sense to things. I mean, kids have been buying toy guns since what? The invention of guns. I mean, I grew up uh, with toy guns. I grew up with real guns too. I mean, I grew up hunting and everything. And there's a very obvious distinction 
very, very obvious distinction, whether it's your defining features. I mean, it wasn't actually until Brad pointed it out to me that the orange tips we always see on toy guns is actually an American standard to differentiate from a real-life firearm. But, I mean, all these stocks have that as well. And I have to say, in my time of practice as a solicitor and um, and uh, the collective experience of those around me, I don't think we've ever had a situation where a uh, criminal has walked in with a bright orange tip on a real-life firearm when they're conducting whatever activities they are conducting. I also want to raise one point while I'm on this subject. That same definition goes on in the next vein to say, however, an imitation firearm does not include any such object that is produced and identified as a children's toy. Now, when you ask the question of, I mean, how ridiculous is this in its application towards Brad? Well, your answer is right there. These are items which are clearly manufactured. Now, I've seen the boxes. They're clearly produced as a children's toy. And they're advertised under the banner of Armoured Heaven, Australia's number one toy gun seller. Each item is advertised as a toy gun with every disclaimer imaginable on the site. And it's funny that we get to this topic because... This is actually how Brad and I met. I was I was running a trial in Parramatta. I saw his shop's title and it and it had a good title, a Star Wars reference, and I had, you know, an hour to kill over lunchtime and I was just walking trying to think and I walked in just to have a look and when I saw the toys on the shelves I asked Brad quite simply, I said, Mate, um, are you sure these are okay? He said, What do you mean? I said, Well look, they're obviously toys, but aren't these similar to an airsoft or a BB gun or anything? Um, Once Brad showed me the ammo, it was quite obvious they weren't, but he also went on to explain the difference in the firing mechanism. So by the definitions we have in the law, we have someone who's selling toys. They're identified, they're manufactured as toys. Then if you want to get technical on the specifications, they have a different firing mechanism to any item which is... Uh, prohibited under the legislation as it currently stands, in my opinion, there's there's no scenario where this should even be prosecuted. It really is as simple as a police inspection, which has happened multiple times over the eight years that Brad's operated, and a, okay, all good. Is there any clear definition about what a toy is? Because obviously whoever's working for the police or whatever information they had prior and to doing the, you know, raid, inspection, whatever you'd like to call it, they would obviously have this legislation too. So they're clearly saying, well, this doesn't meet the definition of a toy because they would obviously have this, whoever's working on behalf of the police, whether it's a prosecutor, I don't know in that situation, I'm not in the know to to know who's working in that particular situation. But so whoever's guiding them in this particular issue, what's your thoughts on that? In the legislation itself, there's no clear word-for-word definition of what a children's toy is, which... I mean, I would say begs for a common sense approach and the ordinary dictionary understanding of what those terms mean. A children's toy is quite obvious to anyone who sees it. I mean, realistically, how would I I describe any child's toy other than a reference to what it is? It's a toy. It's, you know, it's make-believe. It's it's fantasy or, or whatever it is. And actually... 
the the use of the word fantasy makes me laugh because Brad actually touched on this earlier. I, I, I can actually confirm there's nothing in the legislation which references fantasy yeah. assault rifles. Watch out, Brad, for those fantasy guns. You know what I mean? Heaven forbid it's ridiculous. As I, a I Halo just, fan yeah. myself, I was happy to see that they've made them. However, um, it, it, it really is it, it's quite remarkable. I, I I shared your opinion in that, well, oftentimes I, I am shaking my head and I'm wondering how people with access to the same uh, legislation have come to these views. And I should note that um, there is no definitive wording for a child's toy. It, it just begs for common sense. And, and really, look, I, I understand that um, I'm going to use lawyer jargon for a second, that statutory interpretation is something which the courts have to deal with, i.e. how do we interpret laws and the wordings of laws? And they're not perfect in the way they're worded, that they can foresee every circumstance, but I I would argue that that begs for some genuinely sensible uh, analysis of these things. I mean, it it really is. But but why not go a different route or a different approach instead of, you know, he's already, and and rule this, going back actually one step, going back, rule that, have an issue when he does go to when this goes to court will this be brought up from yourself that but there has been repeated times where they have come and it hasn't been an issue will that factor in the case at all look that's something that's definitely going to be mentioned and i believe that that's quite a significant factor um, because quite simply in layman's terms i don't understand how someone uh for seven years is told that what he's doing is fine and he's been subject to inspections and he's demonstrated the fact that he's undertaken independent research. I mean, that's the one distinguishing feature I, I need to make clear about Brad. Brad is, and I'm not saying this because I'm his friend, but we became friends because Brad's an intelligent guy. We started talking about this stuff because he had researched this. He was able to answer these questions on the spot when I first met him a few years ago and when I, as a solicitor, was asking him these questions directly. And, you know, I, I, I have to admit, I, I fact-checked everything he said. He's, he's directed me to the ACCC standards on, you know, children's toy guns. And, and they, they're, they're clear, but they're not obviously what's in the legislation, the Firearms Act. But, I mean, this is a guy who's, he's done his homework. He, he's not been, there, there, there can be no argument that he's reckless. And I mean, in my opinion, that's quite a significant factor. The other very significant factor, which I don't think anyone can overlook for one minute, is the fact that at a federal level, these were cleared. You're talking about Australia border protection. Now, I mean, if the New South Wales police are suggesting or insinuating that border protection isn't doing their job effectively, well, then that op- that's a whole host of questions we need to answer. We're, you know, let's, let's be quite candid about something. We're living in a world where terrorism is a real threat. Our border controls are rigid, they are efficient, and they are administered properly. And I can tell you that because as a lawyer in uh, one of the um, better-known criminal law firms, in Sydney, I'm often dealing with matters at a federal level. And at the federal level, these items were cleared and they went on to be distributed. It was only in New South Wales where a problem occurred. I mean, if they want to make some changes to policy, some changes to legislation, I just don't think this was the right way to go about it. I just think they could have dealt with this much better than basically ruining a person's life. That's all I can put it down to. You know, there's plenty of ways we can go. And what else does have? Does it, do you have any other issues that 
you'd say would be going for him in regards to this case uh, looking forward? Um, I mean, I hope we get a good result. I hope you guys do get a good result about this. I really do. Look, that, that that's a lot to unpack because let me just make this point very, very clear. If the issue is an issue of policy and the issue is that people want to uh, eliminate toy guns, well, then this is absolutely not the way to go about that. The The obvious answer to that is... The Australian legal system doesn't get applied retrospectively. We don't make something illegal and then go back and charge someone. Once we've made it illegal, we don't go back in time and then charge them for that. That's not the way the system operates. If this is a concern of policy, then it should be subject to the ordinary process for policy. This is something which should be discussed in Parliament. This is something which should be properly vetted and subject to all the proper channels for the way legislation is uh, first proposed, drafted, and then enacted. And if this was a matter whereby Brad's conduct matched what is prescribed in the legislation, i.e. if what he did fit what they say is a crime, then Brad and I would be having a very different case where I'd be saying, mate, independent of perhaps a personal opinion on these being toys, Subject to the law as it is, you are committing an offence and I couldn't responsibly do my job if I did anything other than say, well, look, I'm sorry, mate, you've got to enter a plea of guilty. Um, so that, that that's an important factor to understand. Um, in respect of Brad's case, it's, it's quite interesting because really everything's predicated on accepting that these are firearms or an imitation firearm. And I absolutely vehemently don't do that, and nor does Bradley, because, I mean, they're so laughably below the standard you would have to satisfy to say that it's a real gun. In fact, the funniest part about this is when I first got this on my desk as a case, I actually did what, you know, most wonderful people do these days. I jumped on YouTube and I looked at these videos of people converting Nerf guns into, you know, more powerful features. And I thought, well, perhaps there could be an issue and we need to be a bit more responsible. What if this could be converted into a real firearm? I can assure you that my research has indicated that that's absolutely impossible. They share no commonality of parts outside the most broad stroke uh, cosmetic, you know, ideas but in the meantime i guess a guy's you know been dragged through the courts it's cost him a lot of money sure there's people like me that have donated there's you know i guess i'm still just flabbergasted even just talking to you guys for the last hour and 20 minutes i'm just flabbergasted how the how people of logical sound common sense mind can come to these types of decisions for someone that has had police come many times it's never been an issue he, as we discussed before he doesn't have a criminal record he's never done anything wrong a good person of good character and a small business owner. And a small business owner where he's had his business destroyed pretty much. The employees of his business, relationships damaged, financially damaged, going on a different situation, obviously, to the veracity of the, of the claims put forward here. Does he have any chance to recoup any of these damages if he's found? I mean, the, the charges, I think, are bogus anyway, but that, that'll be for you to debate in a court of law and, and to find out where that goes. But does he have any claims if he was to you know, come out of this not guilty, which we hope was the case is going to be, does he have any claim to getting any finances back or, you know, counter-suing the government, so to speak, or the New South Wales police? Or how would that work or no? Well, look, that's an interesting question. It's something I've given a lot of thought. Now, I can't give a definitive answer on that just yet. That's sort of dependent on the way the case unfolds. Um, but I will put it this way. Um, 
if there was a legitimate cause to investigate that these weren't um, what's alleged, that they're not real firearms, well then, no, because the police investigating it, I mean, that's part of their job and that's a responsible service that they're doing, ensuring community safety. And I mean, I would never, ever speak against that. However, that would make... That would be more applicable in my mind if, you know, subject to a firearms ballistics report, they came back and said, all right, well, these are toys. Brad, sorry to interrupt for a few weeks, but look, no hard feelings. We've got a job to do, in which case I'm sure Brad would have said, look, mate, it, it sucks. I lost a few weeks of income, but hey, great. You know, everyone goes on about their day. Um Whether we, we can make a claim for costs in the fact that they've come back with a report, which is quite startlingly listed these as as firearms um i mean that that's yet to be seen i guess i'm just concerned with that too that you know hopefully that report would be someone that would be you know independent from the government uh, and or police now i don't know what you can say about that but no you know. uh it's a police firearms expert uh there is a panel but bradley one of the things is i, I i'm not going to talk about our case generally yeah um, sure understood and yeah. obviously there's yep. You know, professional privilege. I'd just, I'd, I'd just be concerned about that. You know I, mean? I will. I will put it to you this way: um, we're in a position where we're looking, and we're going to find our own independent expert sure. because to have an independent report, we will be uh, organising that as part of the defence case. That's not something which was done by the prosecution. It was a police firearms expert, someone from the firearms registry, um, which actually, funnily enough. Uh, I should mention because I downloaded a lot of information which is publicly available information published on the firearms registry in respect of these things because government bodies will publish information for members of the public because if something is going to be a crime, people need to know it's a crime. And it's quite funny because the firearms registry themselves have a uh, sheet, information sheet, on things declared to not be firearms and it contains everything I told you, children's toys, um, you know, how a children's toy is identified, et cetera, et cetera. And so the great irony is that in my opinion, in my interpretation at least, and I believe the interpretation that ultimately I have faith the courts will come to is that, you know, that it, it absorbs it absolves him completely. But unfortunately, and this is what the most disappointing part is, all the issues that have happened to him, you, know, you can't get that back. You can't get that back. No, no, you can't. And um, the unfortunate thing is, uh, irrespective of anything, I mean, he, he's he's paying legal fees. He's going to court. He's had a disruption of his business. He's obviously had his personal uh, difficulties. He's had the breakdown of his relationship. Let's not forget, this is a sick a guy with a sickness, a condition. Um, and I, I'm not going to paint him as though he's frail because that's not the case. But this yeah, is looks, some... He looks all right to me. He doesn't look yeah. a bad guy. He, he's, he can get around. Yeah, well, I mean, absolutely. But the, the simple fact of the matter is the stress of this whole process, I mean, particularly for someone who's a complete clean skin, it is an intimidating environment being in a courtroom. I mean, everyone knows that. It is It is terrifying. I just, I just, I know the police have a job to do. I just feel there's what, different what degrees of zeal in you know, which and, that, and that the, job supplied. Has unlimited resource in this situation, unlimited funds to push as hard as they want to. And this is what, you know, is this what Australia was? I don't want to get into the, you know, this is what Australia was founded on: giving people a good, you know, honest, fair go. And I, I don't think this is a good, honest, fair go. There's plenty of ways they could have dealt with this. I've said it probably three or four times now, but it's just where are we at now? How are we looking moving forward? Have we got a, a date set down for the hearing? When do you propose this would be hopefully wrapped up by, for an example? 
Well, see, this is actually the most difficult part, and I'm actually loath to say this out loud because as it stands right now, we've only just recently received a full working brief, and a brief is the outline of the um, prosecution case against Brad. So we've received that um, about a week and a half ago, and there is a date coming up where the matter is listed for what's called a committal hearing. And basically, just think of that as kind of like a pretrial hearing where we see there's a test applied, basically, if there's any merit to the prosecution or if the case should progress or if it's something which can be dismissed or if issues can be ironed out. Didn't mean to interrupt. Just local courts? Where are we at at the level of court system here? Oh, sorry. The committal will take place in the local court, and then after that, the matter itself will progress. Now, um, look, obviously, I can't talk too much about how we're going to run the case, but so there's the committal hearing, which is that pre-trial hearing, um, and look, the best case scenario would be that we go into that and um, the uh, learned magistrate comes to a view that, look, these are these are clearly toys. He's, he's selling them as toys and this shouldn't go any further. That would be the best case uh, scenario for Brat. Um, but the unfortunate thing is if there is any doubt and the matter does progress, he's likely to get a trial date late next year and it'll be another year before it's over. And quite a significant expense because that's when you have to start getting into the territory of getting a barrister involved and you get a legal team and you end up having to go to court for however many days. Will that be you doing that at that level or no? So I will be the solicitor who works on the matter. The way it works in our system is you have a solicitor who, the best way to describe it is I liken us to your GP. And then you have your barrister who is your specialist and he's a master of advocacy and evidence law and just court craft, essentially. Um, So it's a collaborative process and that's why I say legal team. Your solicitor um, instructs your barrister. That's the term for your solicitor and your barrister work together. The solicitor prepares the files, does all the office work, but the -the on-the-feet advocacy um, is done by the barrister. And look, I could do it myself but this is these are incredibly serious charges and for charges like this you 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 want to take them as seriously as possible you want to go all guns blazing and so if it did progress past that which we hope it doesn't uh, would that be a, a jury trial or what would that be it'll go to a jury trial yes yeah and I, I don't think people realize you know when we see this on facebook i don't think people realize the the severity of it but no, they don't. And yeah. the, the simple fact of the matter is that this is very, very much a question of, of what policy is. And look, everyone's got their, their views on what policy should be and the way the states run. But quite simply, I think, I think the real question that this comes down to is when, when Parliament enacted this legislation, was it ever intended to apply to children's toys? I mean, if I'm not mistaken, there was a case on the news a few months ago where a, a lady had her child and they walked into a hospital and the child had a toy AK-47, you know, just bought in your ordinary department store, something I'm going to come back to shortly. And, you know, next thing you know, there's criminal charges and then she was acquitted with a public apology and, you know, was it discrimination because she just so happened to be an Islamic lady with a child and the gun? And it's just, I, I think the simple answer is no one really knows the way this is meant to progress. I mean, police themselves don't actually have a clear answer on this. There's no clear guidelines. So that's the real problem when you're dealing with this. Unfortunately, we can't claim, uh, you know, not to make light of the situation, but we can't claim discrimination. Bro. You're, <laughs> no. you're just a white, some 32-year-old fella. So, you know, we can't claim that. So unfortunately, no. it's a bit well, of a shame. Independent of his 
<laughs> he, said, he said he's pasty, not white. <laughs> well, independent of your race, religion, or creed, there's certain guidelines and principles and Absolutely, ways that yeah. the law should be applied. And to be honest, all jokes aside, I mean, yeah, it, it's really what's in the legislation and what's not. Um, and look, one thing I should mention is this. My first and obvious uh, question to Brad um, when all this happened is, what's the difference between this and a Nerf gun? I mean, they use the exact same firing mechanism. Now, the answer is outside of the cosmetic, uh, for lack of a better term, case in which the mechanism comes in, really there is no difference. Now, Nerf guns are routinely sold at your Big W's, your Kmart's, every department store. So the question we need to ask is, so wait, if these are guns, then why has no one gone in and served Big W with a whole bunch of charges for dealing imitation firearms that substantially replicate the appearance of a fantasy firearm. Now, I don't need to say any more. Got to be the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I've got to say it again, the dumbest thing I've ever heard, but, you know. It's quite absurd, and I want something else um, understood by everyone who's actually listening to this. There is really severe consequences to being convicted of an offence like this. There is, um, I mean, obviously there's the social stigma, uh, Brad Towner then becomes the, the Lord of War, as, as he and I jokingly say, the Nick Cage of his own story. But here's the simple fact of the matter. If he was convicted on any of these offences, um, the police could then apply to serve him with a firearms prohibition order, which is something which is covered under the legislation. It's um, Section 73 of the Firearms Act. Now, under these orders police for the rest of his life or the duration of the orders can stop and search him at any time they want. Um, Now, I'm not going to say anything more other than in a review of this policy, um, I can give you the the details. Normally with, uh, I deal with, often I've seen that firearms prohibition orders and sometimes I've seen uh, this given to, and we discussed this sort of before, but to bikers or people that associate, people that the, yeah. the association with people. Yes, it's very stuff popular. Like that. And there's been a lot of cases, that, especially I've done this show quite a lot, look at this sort of stuff where they've issued these prohibition orders, for example, people have taken them to, you know, uh, NCAT, for example, Civil Administrative Tribunal, uh, and often won and had their firearms license granted back to them because they haven't actually committed any offences. So this is that quite, happens. This is quite interesting as well. So well, can I can I just say this? The most important thing to understand about these firearms prohibition orders is obviously you're prohibited from owning a firearm because um, you're deemed unfit based on your previous conduct, your charges, violent offences, gang affiliations, anything like that. But the powers go a long way beyond that. That means that a um, police officer can at any time search your person, people in your company, your home, your car, without giving a the normal reasoning, which is if, you, if you're reasonably suspected to be in the commission of a criminal offence. Now, I'm not going to say anything more than this. When considering this issue... David Shoebridge, um, MLC. The Greens, our favourite David Shoebridge. Yeah, and I quite deliberately picked David as a Greens. We Um, talk about him a lot on this show. Well, he went to say this. Nothing in the legislation stops police using that FPO search power in an oppressive fashion. Nothing stops them from searching a person's home in the morning, their vehicle and work premises in the afternoon, then their homes again that night, and doing that around the clock, day in and day out, as a show of strength against someone they think might be involved in gun crime. 
That is, using this power to provide a direct 24-hour-a-day impingement of someone's civil liberties. So I don't think I need to say much more than that, particularly when we're talking about a clean-skinned small business owner who has never been suspected, let alone committed, a criminal offence in his entire life. It's interesting from David Shoebridge, then I wonder how... It affects, you know, firearms owners because often he is out there talking very, you know, if you, if you know anything about David Shoebridge, he's often, you know, talking about, you know, firearms. He's not obviously not, a, you know, an excited person about firearms. He doesn't like firearms. He's often trying to make it very difficult for firearms owners. So it's quite interesting to, you know, hear him say that, you know, in, in that respect. So I quite deliberately use him as the, the teaching example because, I mean, independent of whatever your stance is on the firearms And I think issue. most people would agree with that. We were talking about this before, weren't we, about I, d- I don't like that premise either, you know, that people can no. just impinge on people's lives just for no reason. Unless there, unless there is, when I say good reason, there is never a good reason, in my opinion, unless the person is a known criminal that has charges against them that have been proven. And then possibly... Possibly, but I say possibly, but then how do you come up against people like Brad here that yeah, what you just said, he's, you know... Not, well, I, I you know, actually... There's a quite a difference between uh, uh, Brad here, someone that's actually <laughs> illegally imported illegal handguns. I mean, we saw it in the Sylvania Post Office about four years ago, uh, 220 Glock handguns imported to the country. I mean, that's not who we're dealing with here, but this is the legislation he could be tried under. Can I can know? I be honest on this? So um, I'll just share a personal anecdote. Um my father has practiced law for 41 years, I think it is now, and he's done that at the absolute top level. Um, and he's just about regarded as, you know, one of the go-to advocates in New South Wales. Um, through dad and through working with dad and through just growing up in this profession and then through my own work, my own time practicing, I've met real firearms dealers. I've met real criminals as 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 they're referred to i mean i've met people who have committed acts and they have done it and i gotta tell you they they don't even in the most broadest strokes resemble brad i mean you wouldn't get many uh national firearms dealers with a room full of transformers or you know something like that No, he does have just looking over here he does have (laughs) And I might even get a, a photo of us guys for the Facebook page uh, if he allows me to. Us, I, I think you obviously, should. Obviously, maybe even of us three if we want, just so I can post it up saying, guys, get ready for a great show coming up. But he's got some Star Wars. What else have you got here? You got, he's got uh, video Transformers. Games. Yeah. He's, got, he's, got, he's got it all. But He's got it all. The point I'm making is this. I mean, it, it, you, couldn't, you, you couldn't under any circumstances really m- mistake Brad for – for anything other than what he is. He's a guy who likes toys. And I want to say one thing. To when we say firearms dealer, because naturally there are legal firearms dealers in this country that have gun shops that uh, run businesses from their home, uh, things like which obviously are legitimate business. When we say fire, we're talking criminals that either import or sell firearms illegally without a license. That's what we're talking about. Yeah, thank you for that clarification. Just to clarify. So because firearms dealer, people can be saying, well, hang on, firearms (laughs) dealer. It's like, well, no, hang on. We know there are legal ones. We're talking about people that import. And and, and there was an inquiry, I think, in 2014. It was chaired by David Lionhelm and Bridget McKenzie from the Nationals saying that, and even the Victorian police were saying that, that majority of fire 
firearms are imported into this country illegally. Yes. Which is what we saw that happened at Sylvania, 220 Glock handguns. They haven't recovered yep. majority of those handguns. And when you, I even look at this guy and think, it's, it's so far from reality, it's just unbelievable. Well, they're alleging that these are military-style weapons. And I mean, well, you know better than I what our country's policy towards semi-automatics, fully automatics, military-style assault rifles, pistols, and everything's been since, you know, you, you've you had Port Arthur, you, you had the Howard's government's very famous um, stance. Um, and independent of your politics, I mean, you know, we know in Australia that not even in, in your gun shops do you have access to an AR-15, you know, you, you just, you don't have that. So, I mean, to assert that, you know, someone could mistake these for a real firearm, I mean, it's 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 just fanciful thinking. It's really really applying an unfairly broad test to things because, I mean, next, your kitchen knives are going to get you locked up. Looking for outdoor equipment for your next adventure? At Aussie Outdoor Gear, you can find cooking equipment, camo clothing for kids, backpacks, camo accessories, and much more. We cater for your hunting, fishing, camping, hiking, and other outdoor pursuits with our unique product range. AussieOutdoorGear.com.au Quality gear at affordable prices. It's interesting also too that, and you were talking, I don't want to go into it because I've, I've spoken about it a lot on this show too, that you know, if, I, if I go to New Zealand, they don't register firearms at all. Uh, they've got no. pump shotguns, they've got AR-15s, uh, freely available for the average shooter. Pretty much what we had uh, before 1996, pretty much similar to the US bar about the licensing yep. obviously and um you know no self-defense in new zealand but that's what i mean we keep saying a lot of these things in regards to that like how can they're over there freely using these firearms yet we've got a guy in australia now that's been prosecuted for something that may you know appear to be yeah you know, according to what you know he's been charged with a real firearm i mean it's just it's so far reality australia really has swallowed that uh, gun control pill you know big time thinking is australia any safe and i've said this a hundred times and probably a bit for a different show i guess but that you know no no one wakes up in the morning and says i, I can't get that ar-15 so therefore i'm cured i'm not going to kill another 100 people today or 50 people no one does that no one wakes up and says well i can't get this type of firearm to commit mass murder therefore well you know what i'm just cured i'm just going to go to my office job today and everything's going to be fine the whole notion is preposterous you know we had a dropping homicide rate long before 1996 which continued on its downward trend has it had any effect well i guess you know some people say yes there's no definitive answer on that um we see other countries around the world that have a dropping homicide rate as well similar to australia westernized countries i mean even the united states i know they harp on about mass shootings which are a terrible thing i'm not going to discount that but the u.s has had a dropping homicide rate for almost 100 years as well so i just, I just don't know how the police can say these firearms and <laughs> i just have to laugh because it just it, it does upset me it does upset me i, I can tell look i, I can't and obviously, i'm passionate about obviously why i do the show you know and i understand i i can't comment so much on the policy but i can say this as a criminal lawyer i deal with the worst case scenario i deal with when things go badly um and i deal with the results of that um and I understand um, at very uh, I understand the need to have a discussion on this topic and I understand the need to sensibly look at things and I'm not going to comment one way or another on gun control and licensing and regulation yeah, other than true, the yeah. fact of the matter is I mean I was a kid who was raised with access to toy guns and well 
you know, I'm on the wrong side of the fence if I wanted to start shooting people. Um, and all I'll say is this. It is so fancifully absurd to even consider Bradley in the vein of firearms because, I mean, much of our, our discussion and, and particularly stuff we spoke about before, I mean, it, it's very fascinating, but it's not relevant to this because these aren't guns. These are toys. I mean... It, that that's that's the the funniest part about this. I mean, here we are. I mean, you've got your expertise and your knowledge in terms of guns, but this this guy isn't selling guns. These are these are plastic toys. And look, don't get me wrong; they may be a good quality version of what they are. But I've seen them in the flesh. I've 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 I mean, as part of work, I've I've seen them. I've shot them. I can tell you right now, there is no way anyone reasonable could mistake these for a real firearm. I mean, substantially mimicking the appearance, yes, in the most broad sense, in the way that, you know, a... Um, and he's got a website too, so he's not trying to hide it. He does, yeah. He's not trying to do... He clearly labels them as that. I mean, He advertises what, them for what they are, toy exactly. guns. And the best part is he's made himself available and he's made his stock available multiple times previously uh, to be tested, to be checked. And... That that's that to me is quite significant because I go back to what I said before. This isn't the case of somebody doing something and being lazy and not doing their homework. This is a guy who's researched it. This is a guy who's looked up the legislation. This is a guy who was able to tell me things about toy standards and stuff that I just I never knew. And and that's that's an important distinction to make. The one takeaway from this show is uh, I would say is. Yes, look, whilst we are talking about gun and gun policy, this, these aren't guns. These are toys. And that's what we're trying to show the court as this matter progresses. So for someone to come along and say that toy guns are now likened to real firearms and whatever the justification is, it, it, it really is quite absurd. Is this a test case for the legality of gel blasters in the in the future of New South Wales? Well, see, I wouldn't actually limit it. Uh, to say just gel blasters, I'd say that's somewhat reductionist. And the reason why I say that is this. Um, funnily enough, since this has started, on my desk, I'm getting more and more cases of police searches of premises where uh, one I had recently was somebody who had a um, gold-painted ceramic... Uh, display item in the shape of a nine millimeter. It wasn't a specific nine millimeter. It wasn't meant to be a Beretta or anything. It was your generic run-of-the-mill shape of a nine millimeter, and they were charged as an imitation firearm. Now that was a matter which went to court, and thankfully, um, it, it it didn't go very far. But this is something which is happening. I recently had another lady who, going to a costume party with her husband, bought uh, two toy revolvers to look like a cowboy. She ended up being charged with firearms. I mean, for court systems which are already clogged and already struggling to accommodate, it's, it seems kind of strange that we're suddenly dragging more and more people in um, to have to answer for these absurdities. I mean, I, you know, the fact that I've even got to produce eBay, you know, order details from toy sellers showing, look, this is advertised as a toy gun, it's bought as a toy gun, here's the photos of, you know, these people in costume. I don't know who's behind it. Obviously, there's different areas at different times, different police, different government issues, different pushes from different places. Why do it? If they're losing in, not every situation, but if they're losing in some situations where, uh, hasn't this been tested? Hasn't this been tested? Like, they lost there. I mean, with the one with the cowboy pistols, did was that, was he found to have, or she found to have, 
uh, being guilty in that respect? Or no, or, or no, no. She, she wasn't. Um, but the, I guess the answer so there's to that, two alone. Well, there, yeah, there is. But the the answer to that is um, the the position isn't clear because there was another matter um, off the top of my head. It may have been in in Wyong. It was it was a regional court. And it was a, a gun seller who was completely acquitted, a toy gun seller, sorry, I should say, who was completely acquitted. He was also selling, you know, uh, replica swords from, like, the Lord of the Rings and things like that. And then... Hey, watch out for those. They're yeah. crazy, you know? Oh, man, they're, they're scary stuff. I mean, anyway, um, but, you know, that that the, the result of that when he was acquitted was actually appealed. So, it, it really is quite strange. It's a free-for-all. And I guess if you're asking me why this is happening, I, I can't say I... I I pretend to know the answer to that. I would, if I hazarded a guess, I, I would I would probably say that it's it, it's got something to do with a um, whether deliberate or not a perceived state of emergency which the media seems to be propagating. I mean, we we seem to be hearing all these things about violent crimes and stuff in Australia, and and you hear all these things about the need to expand police powers and things like that, and they've expanded to such a degree. Um, you know, we are having problems like this. I mean, you know, let, let's not forget, you know, the police lobby is the most powerful lobby group in New South Wales. I mean, let's not forget that. Um, and look, generally speaking, your, your run-of-the-mill police officer, they're, they're, they're doing their job and they're, they're just there to do that and they're well-intentioned. But, you know, when you have something like this where there's no clear issue and then, you know, you've got the, the public outcry responding to whatever paranoia is being created, you know, people become overly cautious. We, you know, we're in a society where, you know, you've got to have safety scissors because we can't even trust people in an office to use scissors. So, I mean, realistically, I can't say what's driving it other than perhaps a perception that they're morally trying to make us safer. Um, but look, you know, that's... There's From those evil gelatinous balls. We'll see those <laughs> those know? evil gelatinous balls. And um, I, I can say they this... span to... 50 times their size. Oh, if only. No, I can say this. Out of uh, pure academic purposes, I actually shot myself with one of them because I was actually curious if it would break the skin or if it would sting. Um, And disappointingly, I was unmarked. And, you know, lo and behold, and realistically, um, I mean, there's never been an issue providing a safe variant um, of a gun in a toy fashion for kids. And I say gun very loosely in that, you know, we all grew up, remember those little orange sticky dart pistols you used to have as a kid, you used to yeah, get from the Easter show. The, yeah, we all used to have those. Or, or Yeah, or targets. bubble guns or yeah, everything. Yeah. I mean, where, the really, the thing I want to ask is, well, where does it stop? Really, if, if you're going to broaden the definition that much, well, doesn't that really capture anything? I mean, every regular law-abiding person, I mean, you know what happens if like something brad said before you know you buy a large scale action figure who's got a prop gun is is that an imitation firearm too i mean when you buy your attachment for your nintendo wii or your your playstation which is in the shape of a gun guess what that substantially imitates the appearance of a firearm doesn't it it's got the same amount of broad uh you know allegiance to whatever the design of the firearm is supposed to be. So, I mean, that's that's the really obvious answer. Well, where does it end? To finish off this part of it, I don't want to say, you know, preempt. I know, I know Brad's feeling quite uh, confident. I mean, is there anything you want to say about that? Are you, are you believe the case will be a, a good case? And uh, is, I mean, obviously, you have to have confidence. I would assume that's just part of the... Look, with, with a case like this, this is a really good case. Um, well, number one, it's piqued my interest. I think it's 
obviously, you know, I think the charges are they are what they are. Um and I won't I won't dignify them by, by breaking that down any more than that. Um in terms of the case, I can't be confident about what the ultimate result is because I you know, it, there's any number of factors that come to that. However, I can tell you something, this is the kind of thing that, you know, people become lawyers to deal with this is this is in my opinion an injustice and and i'm actually looking forward to the opportunity to um to be able to assist brad with this because you know it's something that puts a bit of fire in your belly when you see something like this i i every single day i wake up and i go to work and i deal with the genuine cases of the worst aspects of human nature the worst aspects of society in australia and to see something like this is is it's almost refreshing but it's insulting it really truly is all right michael i appreciate that mate giving your expertise on this particular issue and representing brad on this particular issue that's, thank you that's great hopefully you know the shooters are behind brad as well we'll finish off with brad and uh all right we're back with brad mate oh th- yeah thanks so much michael that was that was really 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 good of you it was uh it's it's always a bit of, it's always a bit of an eye opener when you start talking um, and sort of yeah I'm here with the big bravado yeah I'm going to win I'm going to get through this you know try and take it on the chin and and, and work through it and then you sort of give the, the sort of the the black and white this is what's going to happen I'm sitting here thinking oh my god okay there is one a possibility I, that I might get chucked away in jail and the key tossed one okay. thing I didn't mention yeah. too and I as you're saying the issues with the finance prohibition it's not only that it's, it's traveling overseas yep. it's uh, employment yep I mean this is the name of a few that I can just rattle off at the yeah, top well, like of my I touched head. on before, like you know, say, like when you guys were talking about, uh, even if I do get a slap on the wrist uh, with a section ten, and then they have the extra um, pro- prohibition stuck on me, where they can just come search me for wh- for whatever. You know, imagining you're working at a business, you know, the the boss privately knows, like they they've employed you, the boss boss privately knows you've been hard done by. You know, they they do the 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 thing through the Privacy Act of our country. You know, it doesn't allow anyone else to know. Of an, employee, of, of an employee situation, suddenly the cops you know, come in, go, we're going to take you away. Everyone goes, whoa, what's going on? What, what's he done? It's the stigma of, hang on, yeah. who, 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 who do we have here that is in my immediate vicinity? If and the police guy, yeah, we're taking you away due, or we're going to search you due to these previous firearm offences, a lot of people are then going to think, am I in danger around this man? Am I, am I you know... Am I going to one day wake up and find someone stabbing my children and myself in my own home because of you know just you just think of the worst possible situation where you think someone's been convicted of something and you start thinking for your own personal safety, which hell I would too. But um, I also want to brush on the spat on the on the whole thing about selling toys and all that sort of stuff. Um, it's not, and you guys sort of brought up Big W, Kmart, and other sort of sellers. Well, why haven't they sort of been investigated as selling toys? And here's the bit, best thing about it is, um, obviously, we live in a digital world with um, electronic banking and cash handling. Um, I'm a customer of the Commonwealth Bank, very proud to say that because they look after me fantastically. They came into my shop um, uh, sometime before I met Michael and were basically drumming up business for FPOS machines. And basically looked at me and said, hey, mate, do you have an FPOS machine? I was using PayPal at the time, which I was hoping to sort of move towards more an Australian-based company. And so I signed up with them. And I said, look, and I actually asked them, look, before I even think of coming into the bank and, and putting pen to paper to say, yes, I want an FPOS machine, are you guys going to have a problem with me selling as my business toy guns? And this is um, this is um, uh, at the Parramatta branch, um, not in the Westfield, the one out on Church Street. The bloke laughed. He goes, no, nah, mate. We got no problem with you selling toy guns. These are obvious. I then asked him. I said, 
okay, you're a bank. Um, obviously, toy uh, guns, you know, you, it's a big banks and guns. It's never always worked well together. Um, have you guys ever had anyone come in with a toy gun to rob you? And he laughed again. He goes, no. Our, um, our sort of our banking regulation is too damn good. You know, we've got time locks. You, know, you just can't go in now and rob a bank like you could say, back in the mobster days of the 20s where you, know, you just I just walk tend in. to rip out the FPOS machines now with big... Uh, uh, yeah, yeah you you've got, all, the, you know, you've the, got security and all that. Yeah, there's all like... <laughs> it is now literally like... You, I haven't really looked into it, but I've been sort of looked into it, and the, the common opinion is it's too expensive to rob a bank, and, and you're too stupid to do it because the banks have too much... They've spent too much money, good money, on making sure they are secure for the purpose of customer safety. Because, you know, say if you've got 100 grand in the bank and next thing you know, oh, yeah, sorry, you've lost your money because uh, someone robbed the bank. It's like, well, shit, what do I do now? Look the locks, they've yeah. just come Yeah, they've down. got all these you, sorts of things. You wouldn't so, even be able to get out of there. And I say things. all this is because on my website, um, I use the ComBank merchant facility for all credit and debit card transactions. So if I'm convicted of selling firearms illegally, how does that then reflect on the banks and also Australia Post, who I u- utilize as um, for, for the distribution for, for mail orders? Um, are they then in trouble uh, or are they going to be in trouble for allowing a man to sell, if these firearm charges were to stick, illegal weapons to countrywide and even overseas as well? I've got, um, I've got a, I, had, I, well, I had a decently growing overseas um, custom base as well, mainly Europe and, and uh, North America. But I just sort of wanted to bring that uh, to fruition is that, you know, if I'm convicted, then it's not just, oh, well, how about all toy guns? It's also how about the banking system for, um, for, not, for not doing their due diligence, which they actually did. Uh, with the ComBank, they, um, before I even could have an online um, purchasing facility integrated into my website, uh, they did two weeks worth of testing. Now, mainly it, their biggest concern is, am I fraudulent? Am I going to take your money and never give you anything? I passed that test. And then they, um, and they also asked me, oh, yeah, w- what are you selling? I told her, okay, how does that work? Is that, is that, you know, okay, it's a toy gun. Oh, yes, okay. And the lady on the phone said, oh, yep, I've just read the, did it literally over the phone with my website guy. Oh, yes, I've just read the legislation. You're fine. Yeah, yeah, okay, toy guns are fine. They're, they're not considered firearms. Yeah, we don't have to worry about anything extra. We don't have to go, like, they may have a different process as if you were a registered firearm dealer. And so I'm just like, oh, this is great. So I've had... With all these extra companies, even even with Australia Post, the bloke who actually came and did the, um, the initial inspection, he thought he was getting stitched up because uh, the guys at the uh, at the office at Penrith basically said, "Hey, mate, you're going off to a business to go check out the guns. They're, we're going to be shipping guns," and they did it in such a way just stitch him up to sort of be so. He's like, "What? What? Hey, on guns? What do you mean? Who's this guy?" He looked at a piece of paper. Oh, a toy seller. What the hell is this? He's coming. He's going. Oh. I thought I was getting stitched up. I thought you guys had real guns and you were trying to, you know, I was getting, you know, had a big joke put on me. And he's gone, yep, no worries. His main concern was safety for loading and unloading a van. I used to work with Australia Post and that was always the thing. You never go to a location if there hasn't been a site map drawn up. Uh, mainly so that you don't sue Australia Post for breaking your back because you stupidly lifted something that requires two men or, t- you know, two people to, to lift. Um, they've got, yep, no worries, cool, tick the box, I've met all their requirements, they've been great to me coming to my location, I help them load up the van, they scan everything and off it goes. So there's that whole question of, if I get done and, and thrown, you know, flushed down the sink and forgotten about, you know, how about everyone else that's sort of been involved in this whole situation of my business uh, to basically um, prosper? Well, mate, great podcast. You've got a lot of information. So Yeah, definitely. Mate, I just want to wish you all the best. Hopefully, you know what, after this happens, we can hopefully all get together again and hopefully it'll be a very good conversation. 
Oh, uh, I hope so a, too. A positive way, conversation. You know, I can go back to doing my things, appearing at conventions. I've, I've even, like, I've touched on working, um, supplying um, Fox Studios for the Aliens movie, but I've worked with two video game companies as well for promotions. And so I've got a very good reputation when it comes to sort of uh, me as a person, along with my products, helping other people as well. And yeah. um, even just attending Supernova, they've looked after me quite well. They, I'll just give them a quick shout out because I had prepaid two stalls um, and they refunded me um, past past their cutoff dates for refunds simply because they know that I've got the promise that once I'm back in action, I'm going be, I'm going back in big, bigger than what I was before. And it wasn't, if it wasn't for them um, helping me develop my brand from a very, from back in 2011 when I did my first uh, set of conventions, um, it, if it wasn't for them, I would never have been able to build myself up with that, without the Supernova team as well. Brad, thanks for your time, for joining no me worries. here on AHP. I really do appreciate it. Michael, thank you as well. I really appreciate it. He's nodding his head so people that can't see. I didn't bring uh, three microphones. I wasn't aware uh, Michael was coming, but it's great to have him on as well and explain that situation behind, I guess, the legal situation. Michael, just wanted to say one more thing to finish off too, mate. What was that? Uh, look, we appreciate the support, and ultimately, I'm confident we're going to get the right result in respect of this. I mean, something where common sense should, and I dare say probably will prevail. So um, thank you for letting us talk. All right, guys, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. No worries at all, Jason. Thank you so much for uh, reaching out. You've been listening to an episode of the Australian Hunting Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. See you next time.